Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. Uh, I am your host. This is my podcast. So nice of you to tune in. I mean, there's so many podcasts. Everybody has a podcast. Their mom has a podcast. Their aunt has a podcast. Uh, you know, I think Trader Joe's. No, I know for sure Trader Joe's has a podcast. And uh, this is my podcast. Anyway, oh my God, is, do I sound bitter? I'm not bitter. I'm just processing the fact. I'm just stating the facts. Everybody has a podcast. All right? Anyway, let me just move move on here. Okay. Listen, you guys, um, I have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Amina Altai. All right. If I fucked up her name, um, you know, that's I'm just a person living my life, doing the best I can. I don't think I did. I know her name is Amina Altai. And uh, who is she, you ask? Let me tell you. Amina is a holistic business and mindset coach. And uh, what else can I tell you? She, yeah, she's a holistic business and mindset coach. So she is a very inspiring woman. She's strong. She's gone through a lot of stuff. Um, and uh, she helps people be better versions of themselves. She helps them reach their full potential. And uh, we talk about a million different things. We talk about leveling up. You'll find out what that means shortly. We talk, we talk about fixed mindsets versus growth mindset. We talk about limiting beliefs, shame, autoimmune disease, uh, single versus being in a relationship. We talk about conflict, understanding ourselves, human design, twin flames. Oof, that's a popular one to talk about. She tells me what that means because I always think I know what twin flame means because so many people are always, you know, blah, blah, blah. I want to meet my twin flame or my ex. I thought he was my twin flame. And I've always been like, does that mean soulmate or what the fuck does that mean? Anyway, Amna tells me. What else do we talk about? We talk about uh, locating your zone of genius, being lit up, our upper limit, uh, which is, I don't know, just just a lot of stuff. How dare you? Oh, here's one fun thing to discuss because I think this is so important and I've done this a million times. Uh, cord cutting rituals just to, uh, I don't know, get rid of any any uh, power anyone has over you or somebody you're like psychically attached to. Oh, I love, I love uh, psychically just doing cord cutting ceremonies in my head where I'm like, leave me alone. Leave me alone. You have no power over me. You have no power over me, which is like the final scene in, in, uh, in that great movie Labyrinth. Have you seen it? You should. Exclusive. It's from, uh, is it from the seventies or the eighties? I don't even know. I doubt it's an exclusive uh, here today. I'm in a kooky mood today. Here's why. How dare you? I don't want to tell you. It's too personal. Um, I Before I throw us over to my lovely conversation with Amina and all the pearls of wisdom that we will all uh, glean from the conversation, I'm just going gonna, gonna to blab for a minute, all right? Um, oh, my God. I mean, I had a great week, but did I? Uh, I got a little bit dark the other day. Oh my God. I'm not an unhappy person. I know I've talked about being depressed, having OCD, having PTSD, going through a lot of emotional stuff, adjusting to uh, feeling safe in a relationship and learning how to be in a relationship and not be like, you know, jealous or obsessive or just panic stricken. So I've been in a relationship for, for, you know, over a year now. That's not the problem. Uh, I have a lot of other things going on with me. But uh, well, let's start with the nice stuff. So the other day, 
Easter weekend rolls around. I hope you guys all had a great Easter weekend. I did not paint eggs. I don't know if you guys painted eggs. You people painted eggs. I really have to stop saying guys because some of my friends, you know, they're they're wis- they're women, they're lesbians, and I'm like, oh, you know, what are you guys up to? And I just feel like I'm I'm being so rude. Like I'm just like I'm being. You're not supposed to say that, guys. Anyways, I'm trying to say people. Anyway, am I thinking too much or am I, am I thinking just enough because I'm trying to right or wrong and, uh, you know, evolve and be thoughtful? Hello? All right. Um, so Easter, Easter weekend rolls around. Uh, last Easter weekend, I was on like a very, you know, one of like uh, an early date an early in the relationship date with my now uh, serious boyfriend. He picked me up in the morning. We went to church. It's kind of like an ironic thing. Like, oh my God, I've never been to, oh my goodness, I've never been to church. This is wild. And I found this pretty church that I wanted to go to. I had mentioned it to him and he was like, oh yeah, sure, let's go there. So he picked me up. He brought me a candle, a diptyque. Um, oh my God, I can't remember the scent. What the fuck is wrong with me? It's my favorite one. I bet everybody else would know better than I do at this current moment. Um, It'll come to me. Not gardenia, not jasmine. Tuberose. He brought me a tuberose diptee candle, my favorite candles. Uh, You know, uh, I also love my friend uh, Brooke Dooley's Rookski candles. Um, That's a close second even, but whatever. At the time, there were no Rookski candles. And uh, my boyfriend uh, on our like early date brought me this diptee candle and Listerine breath strips because he knows uh, that I love both of those things, that I had an addiction and still do to Listerine mint strips. Um, from there, yeah, he whisked me away. We went to a church. Then we uh, had brunch on Larchmont. If you guys don't live in, La- if you people don't live in Los Angeles and you don't know where Larchmont is, it's just a lovely kind of yuppie street. It's like it's like everybody who hangs out on Melrose. It's like they grew up, didn't die of an overdose, and now they are hanging out on Larchmont doing yoga. It's where all the hot yoga moms are and men who like sandwiches, which is all of them, you know, who are like directors or writers. It's just a it's a highbrow um, family beautiful street with shops and restaurants. So he takes me to brunch there. We get a coffee. We head back to my place. We get a blanket. We go to the park. We share a bottle of rosé in the park. And that's when I really knew I was I was falling in love with him. Easter Sunday of last year. And uh, I'm just in love with him as ever, if probably more. It's bizarre for me. That's not my story. So, but anyway, we went uh, this Easter. We went on a trip with two other couples who were both British. Um, and I, I tried to not even think like, oh my God, maybe this will be scary for me. I'd met one of the couples before, but not uh, not really the other couple. I didn't really know them. But you know, I didn't really know either of the couples very well. They were my boyfriend's friends. And uh, we went to, uh, we stayed at the place called the Sky View uh, Motel in Los Alamos, uh, which is kind of near Santa Barbara, wine country. It's a cute, quaint little town, a very hip hip uh, hotel, which is actually where I went on my birthday um, in February. So we go there and we had like a couple's weekend and uh, it was lovely. It was lovely. But part of me, I, I you know, I didn't want to dwell on the thought like, oh, maybe I'll be self-conscious or, or how exhausting could this be? What if I don't like them? Oh my goodness. What are we going to talk about? Like it's so much intense time spent with like people you don't 
know if you want to make that investment with. Uh, but they were lovely. It was a lovely time. We had a lot of food. We drank a lot of alcohol. And uh, yeah, so that's what happened. Do I want to tell you about how dark it got the other day post the uh, holiday that we had over Easter? Because Easter was done. We came home from the trip. I went to the Santa Barbara Zoo with the boyfriend. It was lovely. Uh, I ate four churros. I posted a photo, of an ASMR video of me eating churros on my Instagram page at Alexi Wasser. And uh, yeah, I ate four churros and a soft pretzel because I thought, fuck it, I'm doing it. When you get a chance to get a churro, you got to take it. Um, actually, I bought five churros and I ate two and a half and my boyfriend ate two and a half. The second two that I bought, the final two, they were too crispy, but the first three were perfection. But what can you do? Anyway, I'm probably going to have to redo that, that uh, experience and get more churros because if it doesn't go perfectly, I'm like, fuck, I got to redo that meal experience until I get it right and then I can walk away from having to do it again. But the soft pretzel was great with, uh, with mustard. I love soft, pre- soft pretzels. Uh, anyway, no need to tell you any of these things, but I can't stop and uh, we can't go back in time now. Come home from the trip. Where does it all go wrong? Where does it all go wrong? I don't even want to tell this story. All I'm going to say is I should never drink tequila. A few days after I come home from this trip, um, everything could have been fine. Honestly, could have been fine. I was in a sensitive mood. When am I not? I think I said that in last week's intro. Um, I went to Jumbo's Clown Room. I saw a comedian, uh, a British comedian perform at Largo. Afterwards, uh, a group of us, same people we went on the trip with for Easter, we went to Jumbo's Clown Room. I've been there before. I've never been there with a boyfriend. Uh, I go there and I'm like, this is amazing. This is so fun. Having a great time. I'm like overcompensating because of the fact that I know internally I am fundamentally... Mm, I'm very confident, but I'm also very insecure. And I know where I'm insecure. I'm insecure um, in, you know, in my uh, concern. Of, I'm insecure when it comes to my fear. You know, I, I have a fear of abandonment and that's just basically it. So fear of abandonment is what leads to like jealousy. You know, I'm trying to control a situation in relationships like, oh my God. Is the person going to leave me? Do they want to fuck that person? Do they, you know, are they going to get bored of me? Are they doing something shady? Can I try to find a problem so I can sabotage this so I can run because I know I can't trust anyone and I'd rather ruin it first and run away on my own terms and wait for the other shoe to drop and it's too hard to just trust a person that they're going to love me unconditionally and really stick around and I can, I can lean on them and I can, you know, I can trust another human being and I can believe what he says and he means what he says and he does what he says he'll do. And anyway, so these are where my insecurities are, right? Incredible, deep, a deep need to be loved to, you know, I have a wound. I have an intense wound. I'm not talking about my vagina. I am, and this is when this all came up for me. Oh God. I mean, I've known this. I've I've known about this for a long time. Obviously I do. I'm very self-aware, but being self-aware doesn't mean that you stop your behavior. So I'm having this nice night, but it, it starts where, oh God, what is his name? The comedian that I saw at Largo. Uh, I think it's Simon. Well, it's Simon. Um, 
I can actually look it up right now. Um, I'll just call him Simon for now until I uh, remember what his last name is. Um, so in his set, and I want to have him on the podcast, I really do, because I think uh, he'd be a perfect guest for the show because he is in his uh, in his show, he talks about everything, all the things that I'm obsessed with, like love, feelings, dating, relationship, jealousy, monogamy, death, psychedelics, all these things. His name is Simon Amstel. That's right, because I, I, I would always think of uh, Amstel Light when people would say his name, the beer, Amstel Light. Okay, so he's doing a show, and I, I've just had, I've had a great dinner. Uh, I had one margarita at dinner with the boyfriend. We go to the show. We, get, we have another drink at the show. While Simon is performing, I start hearing him say things about like he's, you know, he's in a relationship with, and how he loves his boyfriend and his boyfriend are, and him, are, they're able to have an open, honest discussion about the fact that, you know, they find other people attractive. They're not in an open relationship, but they're discussing the parameters if they were to have an open relationship and, and uh, they talk about, you know, so he's just talking about being able to talk about the fact that you know, just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean you don't find other people who aren't your partner uh, attractive. And I had heard my boyfriend telling me, oh, this, this is, a, you know, Alexi, you've never heard of this comedian. You'll probably really like him. He talks about relationships and feelings. You know, my boyfriend knows what I'm into. And he's like, you know, and another interesting thing he says is he talks about how like, you know, how people in relationships always, you know, there's like this uh, cultural thing where there's just like this social thing you know, I'm generalizing, but for the most part, this thing, when you, when you get in a relationship, you act like, uh, oh, uh, everybody else is ugly. I don't, I'm not attracted to anybody else. And uh, so my boyfriend was telling me about uh, how Simon Amstel talks about this and, uh, and how he thinks that's, uh, that's a, an interesting part of his, his set list. And, you know, it's funny and, and interesting. And I'm th- so I'm thinking, oh my God, why did my boyfriend bring this up? It's funny and interesting that this gay comedian talks about him and his boyfriend find other people attractive. Is he saying that we, that he finds that, is this his subtle way of telling me that he finds other people attractive and he wants to normalize that so I can get on board with the fact that, and not be so uptight and wound up? All right, all right, I see what you're doing, boyfriend. I, I get it, I get it. So this is like the weird, like this is the kernel, like the seed that's planted in my head. I planted it. He said something. And I just make it the worst thing where I'm like, oh my God, why does he want, why is he even saying that? I just got, I just went like semi-ballistic for a second, not even really, but like on a real subconscious conscious level, I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds neat. Yeah. I can't wait to see this comedian. Who is he again? Anyway, I watched the set. It's great. It's very existential and smart and uh, just, just, it's great. And, uh, but as I'm getting more and more tipsy, alcohol, not good for me. I should stop drinking. I really should. But, you know, it's not really the alcohol. It's what the alcohol brings out of me. And it's what's in me already that exists that is the problem. But if you know something doesn't help you and it only hurts you, why do you keep going back to it? Shit. That's how I, that's, I should, I should just, that's like what my attitude should be about relationships. I should just not date people because it's really difficult for me. Anyway, so, you know, I'm just like internalizing this tiny little aspect of the set. And by the way, Simon uh, Amstel 
ends up saying that him he loves his boyfriend too much and they both love each other so much that they decide they don't want to go outside of their relationship because they love each other too much and they're both too jealous and it would bother both of them and it's not worth jeopardizing the relationship. So it's all good anyway. It's like, that's the answer I wanted and my boyfriend never said anything negative or bad. He was just telling me telling me about little bits of of what the comedian touches on. That's interesting. But God forbid the person I'm in a relationship with should say anything that might make me uh, fill in the gaps with the worst possible uh, story. Um, so anyway, so I'm like, I don't know what my deal is. Then we leave there. We go to, we, we're like, and then we're heading to Jumbo's clown room. Oh God. And I was like, you know, I was happy about that, but I'm kind of saying these things like, I'm like, oh yeah. So I guess, you know, nobody wants to be a monogamous. Like I'm just saying these things just to my boyfriend out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, but you know, unnecessarily. And I think I'm just joking. I think I'm just being funny. I'm like, well, now that I've seen that show, I thought it was really great. And you know what I've realized after seeing the show? Um, yeah, nobody wants to be monogamous. Monogamy is bullshit. Uh, nobody wants it. I mean, I I wanted it. You know, I'm 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 only attracted to you, boyfriend. But uh, you know, apparently, um, I just I must be the odd man out. And uh, you know, monogamy is just uh, it's just not possible. So I guess should we just open up the relationship? And he's kind of laughing, but I know he doesn't like those kind of jokes because he's a very moral, kind guy. Again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's British. He's kind. Uh, he's just not some douchey playboy who's like sweaty and doing coke off some model's asshole uh, at Soho House. You know what I mean? Like he's not that guy. He's like so not that guy. I managed to manifest, dare we say, manifest the most trustworthy guy. I think I've met the most... Yeah, I don't even want to talk about him too much because now I'm going to get jealous if anybody listens. Then I'll get mad that you guys are listening, that you people are listening to this podcast intro, and then you're going to like try to take him away from me somehow, steal him from me. Oh my God, that's how my mind... But that must mean I'm pretty smart that my mind can go this fast, even though I only go in you know pretty negative directions, right? There's some silver lining. Anyway, uh, but I met the best dressed, most handsome, tall, cool British guy who's it was also very, very trustworthy. It's like God threw me a bone. God threw me a goddamn bone. And I'm still like, oh, can I test this guy? I must test this guy. Anyway, so we get to Jumbo's and I'm like, stop making the open relationship jokes. Then I move into, I'm going to, and I thought I actually believed this because I did until I continued drinking tequila grapefruits, which I guess is my new drink when I usually drink vodka or like rosé. Anyway, um, we're at Jumbo's. I run into a bunch of people I know. I'm like looking at the girls being like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. This is great. I'm like sitting right up front, giving $1 bills, you know, that I get from my boyfriend and friends and we're getting drinks and everything's fine. And the boyfriend doesn't want to sit right up close, but I'm like, sit up right close, sit up at the, at the you know, right by the railing, get over here. Anyway, um, you know, I'm like into it. I'm like, this is amazing. Cause also they're, they're not fully nude at Jumbo's. And I feel like it's not like a normal strip club. It's kind of kitschy where the, it's like a bikini dancing bar. 
So I'm like, yeah, thank God. They don't have like, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't see any girls, girls with fake tits. They don't look like video vixen. Like, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying like they don't have, it's just like a more approachable woman's body that makes me feel like, oh my God, we could be best girlfriends. Like I could do this too. Maybe like, I, like we're just wearing a bikini. It's not so scary. I don't have to be so scared that you're going to steal my man or he's going to be jerking off to the thought of you. Anyway. So I'm like, yay. And I'm going to, and then, you know, on a sub semi subconscious level, I'm like overcompensating my enthusiasm for being at a, at a bikini bar, but really it's a strip club. I mean, who, who are we kidding? Uh, with my boyfriend, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so cool. I mean, essentially that's my vibe that I'm trying to, you know, play into. Oh my God, I'm so cool. I'm having such a good time because I'm so liberated. I'm just such a happy-go-lucky girl. I'm like so cool. I'm so weird. I'm so kooky. I'm so fun. Like I'm so evolved. Like I love women. Maybe I'm gay. Who knows what's going on? I'm probably bisexual. And like, look out. You can't trust me. These women want me too. Like, ooh, like I'm, wow. Anyway, um, yeah. Like I'm trying to like, I don't know what I'm doing. So, but I'm having a nice time. Everything's good. And then like, the boyfriend is next to me. I kind of shift something about one of the, like the way one of the girls like wiggles her butt irritates me. Not because it's not great. It was like very sexy. You know, even I wasn't attracted. I wasn't attracted to a lot of the girls and you know, I thought that they're kind of funny or their dance moves were kind of like, they're cool on the pole, but then like some of them were a little bit like, um, awkward. But then one girl comes out and like, she's, the way she's moving her butt is like, oh my God, like I'm attracted to those movements. I didn't love her hair, but I was like, oh my God, she's wiggling and gyrating in just the way where I was like, I'm getting, this is like doing something to me. Oh my fucking God, we got to get out of here. What am I doing here? What the fuck was I thinking? I've never been so in love in my life. I love this guy to the point of craziness where, you know, and let's face it. I mean, I lied to him about it, but I say, because if, you know, if ever I've had like a, uh, thing with him. I'm always like, I'm like, I've never been like this in any other relationship. Are you kidding me? Of course I have, but I've been, I'm crazier in this relationship because I'm the most in love and I've never been this age in a relationship um, with this person. So it brings out the ugliest parts of me, uglier than maybe it's, I actually don't think it's as bad as it's been in the past. It's like I, I'm problematic in different and similar ways as I have been in the past, but I and I've gone through new feelings and emotions. Yeah, this one is very different. And yet this was a, a similar feeling, but this was... Anyway, because I've dated band guys. I've dated guys and wanted them to to appear fuckable when they're on stage. So like girls, I wanted them to have, you know, not necessarily groupies, but you know, I want them to be desired because that means they're cool. And then I'm like, oh, that means I'm cool because they choose me. It's all sick and twisted. But anyway... So then I, I, I leave his side um, and excuse myself to go to the ladies' room uh, and under my breath, I go, I don't like this anymore. I think he's, and I think, I don't think he heard me, but he may have, and he may have been like, what? And I was like, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Go to the ladies room. And by the way, I didn't mention this before, but we had gone to a taco place earlier in the night with a bring your own booze, uh, situation happening. So I brought two canned cut water spirits, margaritas and two Sapporo beers for my boyfriend. He only had one beer. I only had one margarita. I had the second margarita during the comedy show secretly. Sorry, Largo, please let me come back to another show. I will not sneak in alcohol. I promise. Anyway. Um, but I had this extra Sapporo in my very cool target backpack that looks very chic and much more expensive than it really was. Anyway, 
I excuse myself to the ladies' room while I'm at Jumbo's, and in uh, in I walk, and I see one of the strippers, and two of them. They're both sitting there. They're adorable. One, they're both drinking cocktails. One looks like she's drinking a Jack and Coke. The other one bolts out immediately. I, I walk in and she's got to go on stage. So I take her spot on the little, um, you know, vanity. It's a little vanity spot where you can do your makeup. So I kind of sit on it across from the other stripper and uh, performer, dancer. And uh, I'm like, hey, do you mind if, I, uh, mind if I open a beer? She goes, go for it. I'm like, okay, I'm taking out the secret, secret beer from my backpack. She's like, no problem. She's totally cute and cool. Of course, I immediately open up to her and I go, oh, I just don't know how I'm feeling. She's like, why, what's up? I'm like, well, um, you know, I came here, I was having a really good time, and then all of a sudden something just, something just shifted in me. I'm here with my boyfriend and like, I'm just starting to feel a little bit like jealous that like it's a weird thing to like, I don't like watching my boyfriend watch like girls in their undies dance and it's like bothering me. Should I just not be bothered? I shouldn't be bothered, right? She's like, nah, don't be a drag. Like, don't let it bother you at all. It's cool. Like, don't be a drag. And I'm like, yeah, don't be a drag. That's great advice. You know why? Because I'm Alexi Wasser and I'm not a drag. And then I'm like, gee, you have a boyfriend? She goes, yeah. And I go, wow. And your boyfriend doesn't mind that you do this? Uh, side note, oh, nerd alert. Oh my God, what a nerd I am. I'm like, wow, your boyfriend's okay with like, where, what am I, in the, is the 1950s? Like, oh, I can't believe it. Gosh, golly, whoa, psychedelic. Anyway, so I'm like, you know, your boyfriend doesn't mind that you do this. He doesn't get jealous. She's like, oh no, he loves it. He thinks it's sexy. He loves it. He's really supportive. And I'm like, really? She's like, uh-huh. And she's like, yeah, just like, you know, you can just channel that energy. You can just channel that energy of like, you know, watching a dancer or me dancing for, for people. Just channel that back into the relationship. And it's like a really cool energy to channel. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great goddamn point. Yeah, you're right. All right. I'll see you out there. She's like, I'll see you out there. I get, I get back to my boyfriend, get back to the group, uh, sit down, and uh, everything the stripper girl dancer told me flies out the window. I'm okay for about two seconds. I think one of the other couples may have been having their own issue. I don't know what they were talking about, but that made me feel less alone because I was like, oh my God, I'm feeling all these feelings. I was just like on a roller coaster. And you know what? I'm not going to beat myself up for it because there's, they're all very human emotions. And when you throw my psychological uh, uh, issues, my horrible upbringing, my intense daddy, daddy, daddy issues, alcohol, and being a Jumbo's Clown Room in Los Angeles, uh, yeah, all those things put together, it could have been way worse. So um, I'm sitting down I see like one of the dancers like left a bra on the stage and in kind of the area where I had been sitting and I go, what happened? What happened? Did somebody throw a bra at my boyfriend? Everybody was like, no, no, no. But he had moved. He moved away from the stage, which by the way, is the mark of a, a really respectable boyfriend. I don't know what caused it or whatever, but I am the one who had told him to sit up front. And then when I left and come back, he had moved to be with the rest of his friends in a corner at a table, not right next to the dancers. I think that's actually pretty cool. It's important that I highlight that just for myself. This is like cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, the podcast version on a podcast. So I'm sitting, um, I'm sitting near him. There's another friend in between us. And then I, yeah, I, I feel okay for two seconds. Somebody gets me a drink. I run into another friend. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Woo! Having a good time, having a good time. 
all the problems in my mind go out the window. Everything's okay, Alexi. Everything's okay. You're safe, Alexi. You're safe is what, you know, was subconsciously going on, the internal dialogue that was going on in my mind. And then all of a sudden, there's a lull. Everybody's watching the performers. Uh, I'm not getting 100% attention from my boyfriend. There's a person, another human being, his friend sitting in between us. And I look over at him and you know what he was doing? He was looking at the stage towards the dancer dancing. Yeah. Uh, Sure, everybody else there was as well. uh, And I had been just moments prior to me catching him in the act. But when I took my eyes, which were, you know, glued to the dancer, gyrating. Oh, this is the one. When I saw her butt, it was that same girl, I think. Just, I didn't like her hair. Yes, it's the same girl. I didn't like her hair. I didn't like her style. I didn't like her outfit. But when I saw her butt jiggling and the moves she was doing and like the floppy, her butt was like, it was like, oh my God. I was like, oh my God, I have a problem now because this is now much more sexual than it's been all night. Her doing that is like, making me feel a certain way. Oh, fuck. So I look over to my left to see what my boyfriend's up to. And yeah, I couldn't believe it. As I said before, he was looking at the very same dancer that the entire club was looking at, me included. And I lost my shit. I like waved to him, like completely passive aggressively, like aggressive aggressive. I was like, hey. He was like, hey. And then I had nothing else to say. So we both went back to looking at the dancer. I continued to get furious looked right back at him and was like, hi. He was like, hi. Because now he's like, oh shit, things are, things are probably getting weird. He's, I'm not his first girlfriend. Uh, he's never dated me before, but he has for a while now. So he's familiar with that means sometimes. Uh, and then I like give him the craziest facial expression, the most intense, like, I fucking hate you eyes, which I also may have mouthed. I didn't mean it. I don't hate him. But I was so unbelievably jealous, upset, enraged. I'm telling you, alcohol. Alcohol and my insecurities of being abandoned or disrespected. (sighs) And then I asked the person to move between us and I sat next to him. I was like, excuse me, excuse me. Can we swap? Can we we swap, please? Uh, I need to talk to boyfriend. Um, Have you realized I call him boyfriend so I don't say his name? Anyway, that's what I've been doing this entire story most of the time on this podcast. Anyway, the the friend swaps. I sit next to boyfriend and uh, I don't even really know what I say because I have no leg to stand on because he now, days later, realized and even then at the time pretty much on a a fundamental, at a core level, I was like, oh wow, he he really didn't do anything wrong but like I'm pissed and he kind of did because he was looking at her and to me, that facial expression to me said he was, I I don't know, just like his facial expression which wasn't even anything crazy, it was just basically just his face aimed in the direction of this girl. I projected everything his facial expression meant. I projected what his gaze uh, you know, I, I just, and I didn't like it and I got angry and I got completely just, oh, so angry. I was so enraged and like disgusted. Like I, I just felt like, oh, oh my God, I cannot believe this. And, um, you know, it's a funny thing. I mean, everything's fine now, but I'm just telling you, I'm really like, you know, uh, drawing out this long winded story, drawing out the story of, of, you know, every, every thought in my mind 
uh, everything that went through my mind during this evening, during this experience, because I feel like it's relatable and I know girls get it. Fuck, guys get it. People get it. I really feel like, you know, especially all my girlfriends, they're like, oh, I get it. Um, The funny thing is when you're hanging out with other people and you're trying, and this is just like in general relationship stuff, it's such a funny thing. I forgot that, that this part of a relationship exists. I mean, it really shouldn't because you hope to not be fighting or having an argument in public or at all. But you know how when you're in a relationship and you're with people or you're like in a group and you, you're, you're angry, you two are angry at each other, but you have to like fight in a way where you, where nobody else can pick up on it, which is like ridiculous and pretty much impossible. And it's an art form. It's an art form. So it's like, you know, and I think quickly, like we ended up leaving because I just, you know, I wasn't in a good mood anymore. He wanted to get out of there. You know, if it's not fun, why be there? And we'd already been there for, for a bit. Um, and I'm just like, bye, see you later. <laughs> you know, we're just gonna. I'm so tired. I gotta wake up early. I've gotta like, oh, oh, I'm just moody and tired. And like, everybody was so sweet. And like, who knows what everybody else was going through in their own relationships or whatever. And and then when my when the girls was like, well, don't be moody. And I was like, oh, I'm not. I, I was like, oh, I'm not moody. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just tired. I just got. And uh, I love that she said that. Don't be moody. Because you know what? That was really helpful. Because I didn't want to be moody. I knew I didn't have to be moody. I didn't. I, you know. And, uh, and also it made me feel like, God, she is so cool. She was like, so she's so, so cool, this girl. Anyway, um, she's very confident and, uh, you know, unbothered and confident. And, uh, that's a very cool thing. I like that. I would like to, uh, I want to be that when I grow up or in my next life. Um, you know, so anyway, so we get out of there and then the night just progresses into me going on a rampage. I'm not even going to tell you how, cause those specifics are too dark and too bizarre, but oh my God. And then is tequila like, uh, it must be unlike any other alcohol because I feel like tequila drunk, which I rarely drink. I don't really drink tequila. Like I've only been recently kind of into margaritas because they sound fun and fun in California, California fun. But I drink, you know, it's like, I was just like, I was just, oh my God. I was on a rampage. That's all I can say. Whatever you want to imagine that means, Great. But girls out there, if you've ever been in an argument or felt very self-righteous and just been like blood boiling, like just felt like justified in your anger. And then it just turns into like everything that's ever been bothering you in your entire life. And like, oh my God. And then it's like, I opened up about like, oh my, I opened up about, up about every feeling, every feeling, dilemma, uh, unhappy aspect in my psyche about life in general, fulfillment, the meaning of it all, life purpose. Oh my God. It turned into not even being a fight anymore. It turned into like, well, for me, and I feel bad for him, but I feel like we got much closer because I was so raw. I, he saw me in the most raw, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to say this again. I'm taking it back. Give me one second here. I just want to, I just want to like be not being sarcastic at all or seeming like I'm being sarcastic when I say this because this is like, I re- everything I'm telling you right now is like so honest, but like, um, yeah, he saw me the most vulnerable, insecure, raw, angry, sad, disappointed, wanting more, but also apathetic, disenchanted, like, what is it? Oh my God. Like I could burst into tears right now. In fact, I might, I might, but you know what? 
I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, it was ugly. It was like, not ugly, but it was, yeah, maybe it was ugly. It was ugly. Yeah, it was ugly. It was a lot. It was the next day I had a, even though I do feel like he knows me a lot better, but does anybody really have to know me that well? But, uh, and I bet you think you know me pretty well because of all the things I'm saying, but can you believe there's more that I'm leaving out? Oh, so much more that I'm leaving out. Um, in general, all the time. Uh, but yeah, so I woke up the next day, not only with a, with a horrible headache, and I thought you didn't get headaches. I thought you didn't get headaches or hangovers from tequila. I thought... Everybody's always like, oh, tequila, it's like, you know, it's the only alcohol. It's not a depressant. It's like, if it's made from agave and it's made from agave and you don't have hangovers and it's like, you're not going to get depressed. Well, that's bullshit. That's fucking bullshit. Write me at dearlovealexi at gmail.com or send me a DM on Instagram at Alexi Wasser if you want to tell me otherwise or tell me a better idea of what I should be drinking or whatever, make a recommendation. But really, alcohol recommendations right now is probably not the best time. Um, yeah, I woke up with not only a, a, a head splitting, it's just like a, a splitting, splitting headache, but I also woke up with the most intense emotional hangover I've had. I don't know if it's in my, my entire life, but in a very long time. Um, and then what came from that was shocking to me like I had nothing really to say. I'd said everything the night before. I already talked so much. Like I just basically spilled my guts and been crying and talking and just like really laying my soul down on the line. Basically, he knew all these things anyway about me because he, he's around me all the time. And I, I try to front so hard like, oh, I'm trying to be so cool or, you know, <laughs> but he sees, I mean, I guess he's, yeah, he sees right through that. Not that I'm trying to put up a wall, but any wall that I was trying to put up or veil or front. Yeah. He sees it. He sees me. But then I thought I was telling him all about me. And so now he, he already knew. And now I know that he knows who I am. But then I told him more about stuff that maybe he doesn't know about me. So that's nice. But the most beautiful thing that was so shocking to me, and this is where I might cry. Um, was that, it was like this like new level or of intimacy, which is sick and twisted because I shouldn't have to be so um, explosive and tyrannical or on the rampage. Like I don't want to be like that, you know. I don't want. That's not the way I. That's not my best self. Uh, to use popular pop culture phrases. Um, but the next day, he uh, he made sure I stayed at his house the whole night so I didn't like leave because I kept wanting to leave, you know, drunk. And he made sure I didn't do that, you know. And then the next day, he spent the whole day with me and he like, you know, he was worried about me. He just wants me to be happy. We were both emotionally exhausted. And then... Yeah, he stayed with me all day just just because he was worried about me and he wanted to make sure I was okay. Bought me flowers. We went to Trader Joe's, both hungover, like sick little hungover, uh, emotionally drained uh, people in Los Angeles who are both very tall. And uh, 
he bought me flowers and I wanted to say when he bought me, like in the morning, he made me coffee. And I said, oh, I don't want any coffee. And he goes, why not? And I went, because he offered to make it. He makes me coffee in the morning. And I went, oh, because I don't deserve it. And he was like, don't say that. And then when we went to, uh, went to the market and they had all these beautiful flowers and seeing flowers just makes me so happy. And I, you know, my, I saw all the flowers outside the supermarket and he surprised me, he bought me flowers. And I wanted to say, you bought me flowers, you know, don't reward me for being a monster. I don't deserve a reward. I don't deserve flowers. But I didn't say that because it made me so happy that, that he bought me the flowers. But the flowers weren't the big part. The big part was like, he didn't leave. He didn't want to get away from me. Well, who knows what he wanted, but who cares? <laughs> he stayed. He like stayed. And it was just like very comforting because I think that's, that's all I want. And I make such a fuss and I fight and I try to push people away and not believe that I can be loved. And I get so insecure and so jealous and filled with fear and so fearful and, you know, want to protect myself at every angle and every corner and be like, oh, he said, you know, a man I'm dating said a thing to me. How can I read into it in the worst possible way and make it mean that he doesn't love me? He doesn't want to be with me. He wants to cheat on me. I'm not special. Like, you know, I do that to myself and I, I fight, 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 fight. You know, I try to push a person away or I, every step of the way, you know, not all the time, but a lot, you know, it's a lot to date me. And, and it was like just a nice to have somebody just have their arms around me and like cuddle me and watch a, watch a TV show. We watched special yesterday. I love this show special on Netflix. Oh my God. It's so good. Augie's in it. Augustus, uh, Augustus Prue, who's a previous, uh, you know, he's been on the Love Alexi podcast. He's married to Jeffrey Self, who's also been on the Love Alexi podcast. They're both on TV shows right now. They're flourishing multiple TV shows. Good for them. Sorry, shout out. Shout out to it while, I, while I cry. Tears of joy. Uh, cathartic tears um, to, to those guys. I love them. Anyway, um, yeah, and that's just all I wanted. It was like, uh, it's like I could just breathe. It's like I could, I could just go, wow, somebody saw this ugly side of me, like uglier than they've ever seen me. You know, metaphorically, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm not too hard on the eyes, but anyway, but yeah, they saw this ugly, you know, uh, aspect of me in a, and then they stuck around and held me and bought me flowers and just this, their presence, you know, and I worked in my bedroom on my computer and he worked on stuff that he had to work on because it was a weekday. You know, we're adults in Tinseltown. We got to get shit done. You know, we got to try to level up. Uh, and he worked in the next room and, you know, it was just so nice him being in the same spot with me. That was so nice. You know, we had, we made dinner and I'm just now I'm too many details. And that was like so meaningful to me, more meaningful than he'll ever know that he didn't just like pull the plug on everything or bail or want to be on his own because anybody else in their right mind and, you know, not that he's not in his right mind. Anyway, the fact that his heart was so big and his empathy was so available to me and to just like push past like, you know, you're crazy, you know, instead of saying like, you're crazy, this and that, blah, blah, and like running, he just like 
I felt like he could see for the first time, maybe not the first time, but to me, it felt like in the, for the first time ever, he just really acknowledged the fact that I'm just like a little kid. I know I'm not a little kid, but he acknowledged the fact that like, I have had a lot of, that at a core level, I'm just so, I'm like still a little kid who like wants her dad to love her and like, is just like craving love so desperately. I don't even want to say desperate because that seems very sad and desperate, but, uh, but yeah, so, and he could see that and he like chose, he chose to love me and embrace me and stick around and stay there. And that's, that's all I'm wanting. That's all I'm hoping to find. And I feel like I found it. So I hope I don't end up in a jumbo's tequila situation anytime soon. And, uh, because I don't want to take another chance where maybe I won't be given such a lovely, understanding, kind, you know, response to a childlike outburst, cry for help. Anyway, anyway, I hope you enjoyed the longest intro I've ever done in my entire life. Who knows who's still listening? DM me if you actually listen, because I always like to know if people like these long intros. Um, Hopefully, this isn't what uh, ends my relationship and uh, it makes all of his friends who may or may not be listening or family members call him up and go, hey, um, are you sure this is the right girl for you? Are you guys going to be okay? Um, But what can you do? This is what I feel compelled to do. Um, And I felt like it it was pretty... uh, pretty, nothing was, I didn't overshare too much. I overshared my inner workings of my mind and uh, what I was feeling and, you know, vague descriptions of my outbursts. I didn't get real detailed or anything. Um, and I didn't make him sound like a shithead at all because he's not and he wasn't. Um, yeah, I feel good about my, my, uh, my share, my share. Uh, what else can I tell you? Um, if you want to find Amina, who is my guest, by the way, in case you guys are still here to listen to me talk to, uh, to Amina Altai. You can find her on Instagram at Amina Altai. That's A-M-I-N-A-A-L-T-A-I. Or you can visit her website, www.aminaaltai.com. And uh, actually, it's Amina A. Altai. All right. All right. Um, and there you go. If you want to find me on Instagram, and I really think you should, because if we become Instagram friends, uh, to me, that's like, it's like legit friendship. Cause, uh, if you think I overshare on my podcast, where do you see my Instagram stories? I don't know. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Alexi Wasser. If you want to advertise on the podcast, send advertising inquiries to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, uh, you know, because uh, the Love Alexi podcast is an independent, listener-supported show. Any and all donations are very much appreciated. You can donate via Venmo at Alexi Wasser. Um, I'm really excited because I'm throwing a girls' night in gathering, which is uh, just a gathering for women only. Uh, this coming Saturday, April 27th, 7 to 10 p.m. in Los Angeles. And the whole point of the night is for girls to get together, whoever you are, wherever you are, if you're in L.A., and a girl, and maybe you want to make new friends, and you you don't you're, or you just want to share similar to what I just did right now, uh, and you're spiraling over something, or you feel alone, and you want to feel less alone, and you want to feel heard, and you it's kind of like an Al-Anon meeting with alcohol because I will be serving strawberry margaritas, uh, pink lemonade, Pellegrino, water because I don't want you girls to get too tipsy, and uh, 
I think tickets are pretty much sold out, but if you want to find out about it, it's on my Instagram page. Again, at Alexi Wasser. Tickets are $25. Venmo, if you want to get a ticket, at Alexi Wasser. Um, yeah, and it's from 7 to 10 p.m. And uh, it's just a cozy, cathartic night of, of sharing feelings in a circle. I start the group off. We have a meditation. I talk about what's been going on with me. And uh, and I... Uh, I offer advice because if you're coming to the night, it makes me think uh, you're giving me the right to give you unsolicited advice. The advice becomes solicited because you're showing up to the event so uh, I can get to be your big sister. But if you want a one-on-one big sister session uh, where I give you uh, advice and action tools to to, uh, help you with whatever you're going through, whether it's like body dysmorphia, friends, family, you know, relationships, turmoil, whatever you're going through... um, you can click the link in my bio on my Instagram and schedule a big sister session, which is a one-on-one Skype session with me, just you and me, so I can put all my attention on you for an, for an hour. I love those. I've done a lot of them. I, I now provide big sister sessions for men as well because at first it was only for women. Now I do them with men. But, but uh, girls night in, females only. Uh, listen, I've said everything. Uh, if you like the podcast, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment. It helps me grow the show. Um, let me know if you made it through this entire intro and if you want me to keep doing them. Send me emails to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. Advertise on the show. Blah, blah, blah. Yakety schmackety. Please enjoy my conversation with Amina Altai. We are podcasting. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm with Amina. Hey, hello, <laughs> Amina Altai. That's me. Um, tell me everything. Okay, so I know you through the whole Lacey Phillips to be magnetic, formerly freenative.com, yes. now to be magnetic, and you were in that family. Yes. So love me some Lacey Phillips. You love Lacey Phillips. <laughs> I love Lacey Phillips too. I've done all the all the hypnotherapy workshops online need to do them all over and over again. I think um, I've never done. I just revisited shadow for the fourth time. You it's did. Yes. Um, well tell me what you do. Tell me and my listeners how you describe uh, your career. Yeah. So my career has absolutely been nonlinear. I'm the very classic manifesting generator. Oh, you are? Yes. So I started my career in marketing and brand management and had basically this like tremendous crash and burn. I was in a space that wasn't right for me and I developed two autoimmune diseases. So you worked in New York and mm-hmm. at Vera Wang and where else? And Cartier and Dolce what you, Gabbana. What were you doing there? Um, mostly marketing. Mostly marketing. Yeah. And then how many years ago was this? Oh, about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I started my own agency or I co-founded an agency rather in 2007. And it was a marketing agency to work with emerging entrepreneurs. And I was basically working like 80 hour weeks and I was not taking care of myself and I had no boundaries. I was basically carrying all my sort of familial programming into the workplace. What programming is that? That I was the caretaker, that I've got this for you, I'll do all the doing, that I derive my self-worth from what I do. Oh. And so I basically had this major crash and burn, developed these two autoimmune diseases and was really sick and... I had to go on this journey to heal my relationship with myself, with work, and how I, you know, received validation and love. Let's take it back a bit because what, how did you discover you had two autoimmune diseases and what are these diseases? Yeah. What were they? What happened? So, you know, it was interesting because our body whispers and then eventually it screams, right? So there were these little signs along the way. You know, I was often tired. I had tremendous stomach pains. I had debilitating migraines. 
Um, but it was actually my hair falling out in my mid to late twenties. That was the reason I went to the doctor because, you know, you're in your twenties and you want to look good and it's like impacting the way you look. And I was like, okay, what is going on with my hair? What the hell is this shit? Yeah. What is going on with my hair? (sighs) So I go to the doctor and I happen to have a lot of hair and she's like, your hair is not falling out. And I was like, I promise you it is. So she makes me come back to the doctor's office the next time, having pulled out the hair from the drain and she makes me count it hair by what hair. What the fuck? What is this Swear. tactic? Who is this Swear. doctor? She's a, actually a really awesome holistic oh, doctor. Okay. Um, That's good. So anyway, she's like, okay, something's not right. So she runs all this blood work. Anyway, fast forward, she calls me about a week later. I'm driving out to Connecticut to meet a client and she's like, hey, I'm going to like pull over. And I was like, "Mm, I can't, like I'm driving to this client. And she's like, if you don't pull over now and go to the hospital in this moment, you are days away from multiple organ damage. I was basically, because I had these two undiagnosed autoimmune diseases, I wasn't able to assimilate nutrients and I was so nutritionally deficient that I was basically, it was impacting my whole body. So luckily my hair was falling out and that was the cue for me to go to the doctor. And it turns out I have Hashimoto's and celiac disease. Hashimoto's and celiac disease. Mm -hmm. How does this happen? Is this just hereditary? So there can be a genetic predisposition. So autoimmune disease does run in the family. And I've worked with both Eastern and Western practitioners. And um, from an Eastern perspective, autoimmune disease is the idea that we're attacking ourselves. We're sort of swallowing our own poison. And a lot of practitioners believe that unexpressed anger, unexpressed pain, unhealed wounds actually can manifest as autoimmune disease. Oh my God. So I went on this journey and I looked at, yes, the food that I was putting in my body, my relationship to stress, how I was moving, how I chose to do work. But I also started to look at my relationship to self and this idea of self-worth and it being derived from what I do out in the world. And you know, I uncovered some amazing gold mines and changed my career and sort of my philosophy. And what's interesting now is, so now I call myself a a conscious business advisor. So I help people feel really good in the context of their work, whether it's their own business or in an organization. And I do it through a mind, body, and career approach. So like what's happening in the mindset that's causing resistance? What's happening in the body that's whispering to us about what's not working? And then what are the strategies and tactics we're using in our career that are setting us up for success or not so much? So it's sort of this holistic approach. And I arrived at that because you know, that was where I was meeting resistance when I was sick, when I wasn't feeling great in my career. So I created this curriculum to basically serve me and all the people like me that were having, you know, those same issues along the journey. So if I make an appointment with you or what are all the, I want to know what a session would with you would look like. And mm-hmm. then also like, what are all the things you offer? Yeah. So a session with me always starts with meditation. So, oh, really? Yeah, always. Oh, God. I, I come in before we start a recording. I'm like, ah, hey, sorry, I'm late. Oh, my goodness. This is what I'm going through emotionally. Oh, it's just like, oh, wow. I, I probably need to meditate. Right? I love that. We totally should have taken a pause and meditated before we started. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that at the end. Maybe yeah. we'll end the, end the podcast episode with a meditation that everybody can join us in. Oh, I would love that. How long do you meditate for? So usually around like five to 10 minutes, depending on, like I'll get a read on what's coming up for the person that I'm working with. So whether they tell me something or I'm just feeling something energetically, and then we'll sort of go there in the guided visualization. Oh, wow. You do a guided visualization. I do. Well, that's nice for 10 minutes. Yeah. Wow. And so it's an opportunity to get really clear on what we're bringing into the session, what's bothering us, why, what we need to examine. 
And so then it sort of looks a lot like talk therapy, right? So sometimes I'll bring in specific tools and methodologies and framework depending on what we're working on. So for example, if someone's like, okay, um, let's say they have their own business and they're like, okay, I'm out on the court and I'm, you know, I'm in my sales cycle and I'm working my pipeline, but I'm not getting people into the business. Like what's going on? Like what am I doing wrong? And so I'll look at what's happening in the mindset. So like, do you feel worthy of having enough clients? Do you feel worthy of making this amount of money? Do you feel worthy of, you know, being seen and being bigger? And then also like, okay, now what are you doing tactically to get people into your funnel? Like, have you architected this the right way? Where are you promoting yourself? Are you spending more time promoting yourself in channels that actually don't yield a return for you? Or, you know, how do we sort of pivot this to make it work for you? So it's looking at the mindset. It's looking at what you're actually on the court with, what you're doing day to day. Um, And so I look at sort of, I say three bodies of integrity. I look at mindset integrity, I look at the action integrity and then the soul integrity. So is this aligned with your calling and what you actually want to impact out in the world? So those three pieces are the most important. Well, how long were you recovering from your autoimmune diseases or at least part of your life forever? Part of my life forever. But oh, my, God. Yeah. You're like, it's, it's totally forever. Right. No, but it's it's awesome because yeah. one, huge lesson for me. Two, brought me to my teaching. And three, my doctor calls me a medical marvel because I no longer have antibodies. And so he was like, this is very rare. He's like, if we biopsy you, you probably still have antibodies, but you don't have them in, according to your blood work. So like, you're a marvel. Wait, what? Yeah. What so do you mean? I've gotten to a place, I believe, where I'm taking such good care of myself physically, emotionally, spiritually, that I'm no longer, my body's no longer attacking it. So I no longer have these antibodies. So I might still be managing these diseases, um, but according to Western medicine and my blood work, I no longer have antibodies. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Well, how? But how long was the time when you were recovering? Oh, like girl. How, oh, boy. Yeah. Is that like a year, two years? Uh, or? Several years. And, and you know, sort of, it was like peeling back layers, right? So the first thing that I looked at and a lot of people look at is usually like, what am I eating, right? So am I eating the right ways? I was often skipping meals, you know, when you're working like crazy, that happens. Yeah. I wasn't sleeping, so I'd pull all-nighters and or sleep very little. I had a wild relationship with stress and like I had no boundaries. So uh-huh. I was super stressed all the time. I remember going to acupuncture just after I'd kind of like got, you know, my eating under control. And I actually went back to school to study nutrition. So I did that and was like, okay, now I've got this eating piece down. And I went to my acupuncturist and she kept asking me for like a year, are you stressed? And I kept being like, no, like I'm not stressed. Cause like I wasn't registering it as stress. It was just kind of like how I lived my life. This is life. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly in fight or flight. And then I decided to, I got this like intuitive ping to like go back to school, study um, meditation. And then I realized, whoa, I actually am super stressed. I'm living my my life in this constant state of fight or flight. Oh, wow. And you know, that's something that I need to evaluate and evolve. And that was a big piece of the puzzle. And you so. did that after like the initial recovery from your your diseases. Yes. And so each each sort of journey that I embarked on got me closer to healing, closer to feeling really healthy, closer to, you know, feeling like I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to do. So first it was nutrition, then it was mindfulness and movement. And um, in my latest iteration of work is really sort of stepping into my intuition. I think that was an area of resistance for me too. And the closer I get to my authenticity, the better I feel. 
what where did you study uh, about eating and food and 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 then you know all the other places you went to go study like where were these places how long did you study for yeah. this is fascinating yeah so you had Britta Plug as a guest recently yeah and I love her and so we studied nutrition at the same school so the Institute of Integrative Nutrition oh in New York um so the program that I did was actually virtual so it used oh. to be this in person program and now you can basically do it all online. And it was a great, really awesome introduction to nutrition and different ways of eating and, you know, what works for people in different need states. And it sort of sent me down this path. And then I started learning more and more and more and more and just immersing myself into different courses and, you know, testing and learning on myself and seeing what worked. How long is that course, the virtual course? You know, I can't even remember. I think it's a year. It's a year? <laughs> so you're like doing a thing every single day for a year? Pretty much. Oh my yeah. God. Who creates these year-long courses online? Yeah. It's Fascinating. I know they're they're pretty deep. I will say they're very. That was a wonderful course. It was very exciting. And, and then great what, information. What was the next one? You said meditation or movement. Yeah. So I studied meditation with Charlie Knowles. So he is a big Vedic meditation teacher, and he teaches all different modalities. I'm actually a Vedic meditator as well. So it's very similar to transcendental meditation, where you sit for 20 minutes twice a day and you have your Sanskrit mantra. And so under him, I studied various different types of meditation, and that was. I would say an eight month program. Eight month program. Mm -hmm. And how often do you meet up? It's every day, once a week. So that was also self-guided. So there are certain modules that you have to go through and then you have to teach a class and you're vetted on the class and oh all God. of these beautiful things. And then I just started getting in action with it. I was like, okay, I'm feeling really called to this mindfulness work. Let me start using it in sessions. Let me start using it in workshops. And it just started to feel really good. And I was getting great feedback on it and just started incorporating it into the work. So you teach meditation. So you can... You teach meditation. You are able to do this. Yes. This so incredible. Oh, thank yeah. you. Oh, God. Okay, so is this part of your life or is it just go, this goes into your work that you do now? This, it just go, it's all part of what you are doing. It's all part of what I'm doing. Okay. Because I do believe that you know eating well is a conduit to clarity, that meditation is a conduit to clarity. All these pieces help us get clear on our stuff and who we are, shadows that we're bringing into the workplace, what's working for us and what's not. They're just tools and they're tools that I use to help people feel really good in their work. What do you find most people are doing that's not serving them? They don't even realize is the problem. Like, what do you keep running into? Yeah. So I think we attract what we are. And so I'm a Scorpio and reformed type A, former perfectionist. Yeah. And so I attract a lot of people that are lost in that story of perfection and constant doing. And so the idea that if we take a pause, our entire life will unravel. I see a lot of that. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, okay, here's like five client examples. I'm living proof that when we take a pause, when we get clear, when we come out of our stories, we can actually be so much more productive and so much more impactful on the world. And so really inviting people to just like stop for a second. Stop for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, and how long have you actually been uh, in business? When, when did this company start? So I've been coaching for about three years now and I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I also do corporate coaching. Oh. So I coach... So my one-on-one -on -one coaching is sort of uh, two trajectories. So there's the career coaching and then there's the business coaching. So the business coaching is a little bit bigger and ongoing, sort of a bigger package. It's a five-month program. The one-on-one -on -one coaching for career coaching is a little bit more condensed. I find people need a little less support in that space. And then my corporate coaching is I'll go into organizations and I'll really link arms with employee engagement managers or the heads of HR to help them build out programming towards Thrive Culture. So how can we really help people feel good in their work? 
You know, how can we teach them the tools? Because a lot of the times people are thrust into leadership roles or management roles and they haven't had proper training. And so, you know, how do we teach them? How do we get them to step into their potential and leadership potential in a really holistic way? So I will incorporate the meditation there. I will incorporate mindfulness and some of my more hippy dippy tools that I'll sneak in and for yeah. corporate. <laughs> oh, that's so incredible. What companies do you work for? It's all on your website, right? Yeah. Like who have you, give us some examples. So I work with Huge, which is a digital marketing agency. They do amazing work. Um, I've done work for Deloitte's Women's Group, for Young and Rubicam, for NYU, um, some really amazing forward-thinking companies. And it's interesting because nowadays a lot more companies are investing in that. Didn't used to be that way. Yeah. It used to be that meditation was this like really fringe, hippy-dippy concept. Yeah. yeah. And now that's one of the things that people ask for the most. They're like, will you lead a meditation workshop? And yes, like we'll talk about leadership skills and shadow, but like meditation, please. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! So, what do you think helped you the most with all the lacy work? Because you you were doing that just to like, uh, just for your own self work and all this stuff, and to try it out. Yes. So, I actually have been uh, worked with Lacey for quite a few years, and I did some private sessions with her along you with her. Did again? Yes. We're talking about Lacey Phillips from Free Native slash. Now it's called To Be Magnetic, but yeah, it's this whole family of people I'm talking to. I actually uh, last week I talked to. Uh, Alexis Flower Remedy, Alexis Smart, yes, the Flower Remedy girl. Amazing. Yeah, so it's just like so interesting to like kind of talk to everybody in this kind of holistic family. manifestation, you know, community of, you know. But uh, okay, so you guys coached. She coached you. Yes, and she was amazing. And one of the things that she said in my session, she was like, I keep getting this ping that you need to create your own work, like create your own body of work. And I was like, okay, because I had launched a business prior to my coaching business that was around corporate wellness. And she was like, no, like you need to create your own thing. And so I, you know went down the rabbit hole. I sat on my meditation cushion and I started to think about, okay, what did I need when I was suffering? And I literally created this curriculum. And as soon as I created my curriculum, literally the resistance moved out of the way. It was so interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then through her recommendation, I also connected with Jenna Zoe, who was amazing. Jenna Zoe has been on the uh, Love Lexi podcast, maybe maybe last year, 2018. Yeah. I, yeah. I forgot what I am. You're a... Gen- wait, you're a I'm a what? manifesting generator. Manifesting generator. What does that mean? And by the way, tell my listeners what that means. Yeah. Uh, so from my limited understanding, I'm not the expert. Jenna Zoe is, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so manifesting generators, we're a hybrid of the manifester and the generator. So we do have the ability to manifest, but we also have the big engine of the generator so we can you know, build and bring things to life. Wait, what's Jenna Zoe's... Uh, how does she refer to herself? She's a projector. She's No, no, no. What, what her job is, what, what we call her. Like, oh, this is Jenna Zoe. She's a... Oh. Like she's a... Not a ast- ast- astrologer. She's a... What do you call it? A life... Do you know what I'm talking about? Life design? Is it hu- a human design expert? Human but design human expert. design is something that she didn't create, but she's like a master in and kind exactly. of like does readings for people because it's like another level of... Just trying to explain to my listeners, it's like another level of... Uh, of astrology and doing your chart and figuring out how like you navigate the world depending on like when and where you're born and and just so you can kind of like understand yourself better. Yeah. Basically what she says is the contract that your soul made with the universe in this incarnation about who you're called to be Yeah, and you know what you still have to heal. And it's such interesting work and it's um, I think reinforcing a lot of the times, right? She read my chart and for a lot of the information that she shared, I was like, oh, these are things that I knew about myself, but maybe I apologized for. Completely, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I remember her telling me manifesting generators, like we don't take linear paths. We don't have the traditional careers. We need to follow what lights us up. And our job in being lit up is to help evolve society and say, you know, it doesn't have to be this traditional way. But I always apologize for bouncing around so much in my career for changing my mind. And now I'm like... 
that's part of my gift. You yeah. Know, following what lights me up and then being an advocate for it. So, you know, both of these pieces were really illuminating for me. They kind of gave me permission to do my own thing, which I had felt sort of shame around before. Is when b- before, I, I know you're married, but uh, in the past in, in dating or, or maybe this all has been happening since you've been married, but like... I always feel that men are so not into any of the stuff. Like you talk about Jenna Zoe or manifestation mm-hmm. or even meditation or crystals or this and that of like holistic whatever, like flower remedies, yakety schmackety, all these yeah. things. Uh, why is it that like men, because there's like this kind of joke that I was, Alexis Smart, uh, flower remedy girl made where she's like, yeah, for the most part, men aren't into any of this stuff, but at the same time, do you really want to be dating the guy who's into the flower remedies? Because usually that's the guy with like the man bun and he's just like totally irritating. But I don't know. So in dating or in marriage, uh, do you need to be fully understood and supported and have him like totally get what you're doing uh, in order to be married? Or is it okay if people are just different and they're like, that's her thing? And this is, or does your husband totally get? what you do. That's a great question. And this whole world of like Lacey Phillips and, you know, all that stuff. I'd say he's low key into it. He loves the benefit that it's had on my life because that impacts him in a better way too. Like I'm so happy and lit up and loving my work and he's like really happy that I'm happy Yeah, because when I'm not, that impacts him too. And so, you know, there are times where I know he wants to come on the journey and I'll bring him and there are times where I'm like, okay, I know I need to do this by myself and he's happy that I'm role modeling it and that I'm lit up, but he doesn't need to come with me. Like what kind of stuff? Like, oh, what? What do you mean? So it was interesting. So when we first got married, um, so I decided that I thought it'd be really interesting for us to go and talk to a Buddhist monk and slash astrologer slash life coach. Oh, I love this. Where is that person? I got to have him on the podcast. Yes. Who is uh, this he's person? He's in New York. I'll look up his name and I'll give it to you. Okay, he's, good. He was really awesome. So, you know, in Catholicism, a lot of people do pre-cana before they get married. So pre-cana? Like, What's that? Like like therapy? It kind of like there. It's like a class you take that talks about marriage. I don't actually, I'm not Catholic, so I don't really know much about it, but yeah. I know that it's this class that people take before they enter into marriage. And so I was like, what's the version of this for spiritual people? So I found this guy who is a life coach, Buddhist monk slash astrologer. And I was like, Stephen, wouldn't it be awesome if we did this before we got married just to get on the same page around certain things? Like there are, you know, we're mostly on the same page, but wouldn't it be great if like we just like really like drove it home? Yeah. And he was like, sure, sounds great. And Stephen's mom is Buddhist. So that was sort of like a way in. I was like, okay, I know that he's going to be open and accepting to the, to this man's perspective because it's something that he's grown up with, that he's familiar with, that he's open to. So we got there. And this guy basically did our individual charts and then did a chart for us as a couple and was like, oh, this is actually a beautiful time for the two of you to get married. Like you're both really open and receptive to it in this moment in time. And then we, you know, we talked through, you know, some of our own triggers and like how we bring them into the relationship and from an astrological perspective, how that lines up. And it was an opportunity to really be seen and see him as well. And then in a language that we could both understand, because I think that's the really big piece. Like if he's not speaking this language of manifestation or or human design, I can't be talking to him in that language. But he understands this particular language and Buddhism and some astrology, and I can speak to him in that and bring him on the journey there. Yeah. Well, what about other people who are into all of this and what would you give them advice as far as like partnerships with people? Uh, and do you, I mean, it just seems like men are not that into it. So I Does wouldn't it matter? make that generalization. I do think that, you know, some men can be into it. I think... 
relationships are an opportunity for us to evolve our traits. And we talked a little bit about this before the podcast. And I think that if you're with a partner that wants to be on the journey with you and also wants to grow and evolve with you, they'll be open to it. They might just not love the label, let's say, but they'll be open to going where you need to go to make their relationship flourish. Interesting. Oh my God. What brings you to LA? So, um, oh boy. I, I was chasing the good weather. So. Oh, really? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, so yes you, and no. You live in New York. I live in New York. In I Los live Angeles. in Williamsburg. You live in Williamsburg. You're here for about a week. So, I've actually been in California for almost three weeks. So, oh my God. I have two autoimmune diseases, as we talked about. Yes. And the I haven't forgotten. Time, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> yeah. So, the winter time can actually be challenging for those with autoimmunity. So, uh. We don't have the same cellular energy. We have sometimes mitochondrial dysfunction. So literally winter can feel harder for us. And I experienced this last year where February came around and I was like, why do I want to sleep 14 hours a day? And I'm so energetic. I have so much energy. And so I was like, okay, I think it's something about the excessive cold. And I just, in my mind was like, I'm going to spend February in LA or California next year. Yeah. So... Since December, I was like, okay, let me line up a bunch of meetings and like all these beautiful things that I can do in California and make it a work trip. But I'll also just bask in the sunshine and the 60 degree weather and just be really joyful 60, and happy. To me, you say 60 degree weather and I'm like, oh, I know it's freezing, isn't it? It's like 10 degrees back home. It I'm is? so happy to be here. Oh God. It just started getting nice like two days ago, but I, I, I've, I've been freezing. I missed two snowstorms. You I'm did. You're so fine. Happy. You're loving your life in Los Angeles. Oh I'm my god, loving life. Um, and you got a sister here. How many sisters do you have? I'm one of five girls. Yeah. And so one of my sisters lives out in Venice, which is amazing. What do they all do? Are they all in Los Angeles, or where are they? So I'm half uh, Welsh, half Iraqi, and I was born in London. I grew up in the tri-state. So oh, born my in London. Yeah. When did you move to the tri-state area? Uh, when I was about three years old. Okay. So my mom is in the UK and three of my sisters now live there. They all live in London. And then my dad lives in New Jersey. I live in Brooklyn and my one of my sisters lives out here in California. So we're everywhere. Oh, you're everywhere. So your parents are not together anymore. No. All right. Interesting, actually, um, on and off for pretty much our, our whole lives. And then just last month, they finalized their divorce. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my God. Many years later. Many, many years later. What was the holdup? Hope? I hope and maybe waiting for us to leave. I don't know. Or, you know, hoping that behavior will change. Who's to say? Who's to say? They're both wonderful people and I recognize that they're actually happier alone. So oh, really? I'm super happy for both of them. Oh, that's good. Oh my goodness. Well, what do you think of benefits? Totally side sidetracking, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, being alone benefits versus being in a relationship. Yeah, I think it's so interesting and so dependent on people and where they are. Um, I think if you like to be alone, that's a beautiful thing, right? Alone time is an opportunity to get to know ourselves, potentially on a deeper level, explore things that are true to us, like be in that creative space. It's not sort of um, impacted by anybody around us. But I do think being in relationships is an opportunity also to get to know ourselves because we see what we're triggered by and what we need to heal. Yeah. And you know, one of the things we talked about before the podcast too is that conflict is never a bad thing. So like if you're, you know, getting into fights with your significant other or your friends, it just is an opportunity to understand our shadows and our triggers a little deeper and how we might bump up against them with particular people. So it's an opportunity to learn if we can look at it that way versus judging it and saying, you know, conflict is bad or something being hard is bad. Yeah. Yeah. I know this is sort of an, an aside, but, um, 
in the fall, I lost my grandpa and oh, he was, I'm sorry. thank you. Yeah. He was the most amazing human you've ever met in your life. And like, he was my person. Like he loved me unconditionally and one of the few people in my family system to love me unconditionally. And I just loved him so much. And when I went through that experience, everyone kept apologizing like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like this must be so hard. Hard is so bad. But hard wasn't bad. Hard actually cracked me open in a new way and allowed me to level up. If I didn't experience that extreme pain and loss, I wouldn't, you know, have come to a new teaching or, or you know, leveled up or... So oftentimes we think that hard is bad. And if we look at it with curiosity and investigation versus judgment, it can really be an opportunity to grow. Hard, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be bad. That's a beautiful no. thing to say. And what is leveling up exactly? Just getting to a new level of like, just getting to a better place? Yeah. So continuing to evolve ourselves, right? Which is why we're here every day. We want to evolve and to grow. We might not grow and evolve every day. And sometimes it's a cha-cha and we take a step backwards, but we want to be following the threads yeah. of our design, of our evolution and like what we're called to do. And so sometimes these moments of discovery that are hard. Like growing pains or something. Exactly. That's interesting. The stretch marks. (laughs) Oh God, yeah. Well, that's like a hopeful thing to remember that like when life is hard, it doesn't have to be mean things are bad. It's just an opportunity to evolve and it's, yeah, to level up. They are growing pains you're experiencing. That isn't, yeah, because life is hard. It's not just like, I always have this thing where it's like, I'm like, oh, it's supposed to be perfect. It's supposed to be perfect. If it's not perfect, I... My heart, if, if something unfolds, whether in any which way, having to do with friends or relationship or work, I'm like, if it wasn't perfect, my heart sinks and I spiral. Like, I'm like, oh my God, now I have to feel bad that it didn't unfold the way I wanted it to. And it's not perfect. And if it's imperfect, it's ruined. Everything's ruined. Like, right. and that's no way to be. That kind of sucks. That's How do we not do that anymore? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because then there's like a... There's what happens and then there's the res- my response to what happens. Right. I, yeah. And, you know, the idea of perfection is a total lie, right? Like we oh. never arrive. We're always yeah. on the journey. There is no perfect. And are you familiar with the concept of fixed mindset versus growth mindset? No, tell me. Tell me everything. Okay. Yeah. So this is one of my favorite things. And I teach this a lot too. So in the fixed mindset, we believe that our abilities are fixed. So we're born into this world and we're either good at math or we're not. We're either creative or we're not. But in the growth mindset, we believe that we have the ability to grow and learn. And every time that we meet resistance is an opportunity just to to get better, to level up. So let's just put this in the context of, you know, school, for example. So you go and you take your math test, you get a 50 and you're like, oh, I failed. But that's fixed mindset. In the growth mindset, we say, oh, I got a 50. What do I need to learn next time to get the 90 or the 100? You know, where did I not show up prepared? Where did I not study or what have you? Like, how do I evolve so that next time I can meet this challenge a little differently? So there's no perfection. We're not failing. That's all sort of fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Oh my God. What are twin flames? You used that phrase earlier. What does that mean? When people keep, people like, I, I keep reading about twin flames, this and that. And like, what is it? What are people talking about? So I, I'm not the expert on this. This is really uh, probably. Yes, you a- are. <laughs> Just tell me what you know. Who is the expert on twin flames? Who, who coined this phrase? I don't know. It's just so, out there, but I never understand it. But it's always like when I talk to the holistic community, which I'm totally obsessed with and love and adore, I'm always like, what does that mean? So in my understanding, our souls have other halves, right? We have twins and they're not necessarily like our soulmate, our love person. They're the, per- the the other half of us that's here to help us evolve, to grow, to continue on our journey. That's my understanding. So it might manifest as a love relationship. It might manifest as a beautiful friendship, but it's essentially the the twin of your flame. The twin of my flame. <laughs> oh my God. 
what other phrases do you do you use that I'm not aware of that I want to learn about? Like that was oh like leveling up was so great, and the fact that I'm like, yeah, I, I gotta, talk about you know being lit up all the time. I talk you about do leveling up, uh, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Obviously, you know about limiting beliefs. Well, tell us more. Tell all my listeners okay. me everything. So my three most common mindset blocks that I see are fixed mindset versus growth mindset, which we just covered. Limiting beliefs, which are beliefs that keep us stuck, right? So like the idea that I shared before, like uh, I'm not good at math, so I can't have this particular career. And the fixed mindset and the limiting beliefs are often intertwined somewhat, but they are distinct. And then the other mindset roadblock that I often see is an upper limit. And so an upper limit is a self-imposed ceiling. And we'll often see this with women in the workplace around salary or stepping into leadership roles. It's the idea that we can't get beyond a certain point, and that's usually tied to a limit belief as well. So do you want examples? I do. And I also want to know, like uh, earlier when I started asking you, like, what would it be like if we, you know, if we're in a session together and Mm -hmm. you said it would begin with a meditation, then I want to like unpack that and get really detailed and just like kind of like peek into what a full on session would be like, but go on. Yeah. More phrasings. Okay. More phrases. (laughs) You know what I mean? Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So I shared an example of what a limiting belief might be. I shared an example of what fixed mindset might be and then upper limits. So for a lot of women, like I said, it can be around salary. So, you know, they can say, okay, I'm I'm comfortable making $80,000, but when it gets to a hundred thousand dollars, no, no, like I don't feel comfortable. And we would dig into that and unpack that and say subconscious or is it, can it be conscious? It can be both. Yeah. Oftentimes it's subconscious, right? And for some people, maybe the limiting belief is if if I make $100,000, it means I have to work all the time and give up my social life. And so then we can unpack that as a limiting belief and say, no, there could be opportunities for you to step into a higher salary and still have beautiful work-life balance, right? So just sort of unpacking the story and understanding where we are in a story versus the fact or fiction. Is it usually females who have these limiting beliefs, do you feel like, or that you work with? Do you tend to work with mainly women? But you work with corporations. Yeah. But... I'd say it's a 70-30 split. I do work with men and they can have upper limit challenges too. So one of my clients is amazing and he's given me permission to share this story. He's a serial entrepreneur and he's on his fourth business. And when he came to me, he was like, Amina, like... I'm growing this business and it's doing really well. But in all of my previous businesses, I get to the $4 million mark, which is amazing. And Wow. Yeah, I'd like wow. to have that problem of oh, that's my limit. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets to the $4 million mark and then he can't push past it. And he was like, I think there's something in me. Like, why can't I move past this? What's going on? And we dug into it. And the story that he was telling himself was that as a leader of a company, he needed to be in every single area. He needed to be overseeing marketing. He needed to be overseeing innovation and sales and operations. And in doing that, he kept himself out of his zone of genius, which is another phrase we'll talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, so he basically was in all these different areas and he was, wasn't focus, focusing on his own genius. And as leaders, we really need to embody our genius because it gets everybody really excited and we rally behind this person and this cause. And and so it was impacting the whole company. And so we basically put together a plan to get him to really own his genius and let go of the things that he wasn't stellar at. And in doing that, he empowered everybody else in their leadership roles. And he grew the company to $7 million last year. Jesus. Yeah. And so there's a lot that goes into it. It's not as simple as I'm saying, but there's an example of a man who had an upper limit challenge and it was tied to some limiting beliefs. And we were able to move them out of the way and he was able to step up, which is awesome. How do you move them out of the way though? What do you do? Is it hypnotherapy or is it just lots of talk therapy? Okay. I'll give you an example. So we start with a guided meditation and we'll kind of understand what we're bringing to the session today. 
And then we'll talk a little bit, so a little bit of talk therapy, and we'll dig into where are these limiting beliefs. And then we'll start to unpack the limiting beliefs, the fears associated with the limiting beliefs, and any mindset blocks that are happening. And so we'll get really conscious about what's happening in the mindset subconsciously that's not allowing us to move forward. And then basically what I'll do is I'll create something called a turnaround thought. So our brains evolved with this negativity bias and we often see things in a certain way. And we need um, some somewhere between four and seven positive experiences to overcome one negative experience. So if somebody has a negative thought pattern or a limiting belief, I'll ask them to cite three examples to the contrary that are also true. So for example, um, if I work 70 hour, or sorry, if I make $100,000, it means I'm going to have to work 70 hour weeks. And then I'll be like, oh, well, actually there was a time in my 20s where I was you know, making $120,000 and I was working 30 hours a week and hardly doing anything. And so there my brain can start to turn the thought around and loosen the limiting belief because it's believing that it's true via these examples. And to even put it in Lacey's language too, you can actually tap into expanders and say, well, this friend of mine who's very similar to me, you know, makes $100,000 and, and works 20 hours a week. So you can use those expanders to evolve the belief system as well. So we want to turn around the thought. So we turn around the thought and then out of that comes a mantra. And then I invite people to work with that mantra between now and our next session. So you give them a mantra? I do. Yeah. And I make it a visual one because I want them to keep it on their phone or their fridge or wherever they are. And then in certain scenarios, if I'm working with a client ongoing and we keep seeing the same limiting belief, I'll actually record them um, their own guided visualization to help them rewire their brain. So I usually will record voice recording specific to the challenge they're working through over theta waves, which help relax the brain. I love that. So it's, it can be alpha or beta, but they're just all theta. Like when I go on Spotify and I go like, I want theta waves and mm-hmm. sometimes it'll be like alpha, beta, or it'll say theta. What's the difference between all these different types of wavelengths? Yeah. So great question. So our brains, when we're sort of moving throughout the day, we're, we're in the beta state. That's sort of the active brain, right? And when we go to relaxation, we go to alpha and then deep relaxation where we are in meditation and... Um, hypnotherapy. Hypnotherapist. Hypnotherapy, rather. Yeah are the theta waves. And because we're so relaxed, we have access to what's in the subconscious. We have the opportunity to work with those neural pathways and create new ones and evolve our brains. Okay. So you will make it, sometimes you'll make a uh, recording for your client uh, over theta waves, this kind Mm -hmm. of guided meditation. Mm Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah, to help them evolve the behavior between our sessions. So like if I said they keep kind of following the same pattern, the same groove, it's something that I want them to perpetually dig into every single day until we can deeply move that out of the way. Because for a lot of us, the challenges or the roadblocks might be on the surface and for some of us, they might run really deep. And so we need to really like dig in there. And so that's mindset. That So what we just talked about is really focusing on the mindset piece, right? And so... In the example that I shared about, you know, the sales opportunities and somebody with their pipeline will also look at, okay, what are you doing day to day in your career, in your business that's setting you up for success or not? Like, are you showing up in the right places? Are you leveraging the right promotional levers? So sort of pulling from my 10 years in marketing and brand strategy to make sure, yes, our mindset is aligned. Yes, we're doing what our soul is called to do. And yes, practically speaking, we're also, you know, pulling the right promotional levers and showing up in the right way. How often do you deal with people's personal lives? Because I know like my podcast is pretty much known and the way I live my life is me usually just like uh, 
emotionally spiraling or being brutally uh, honest and raw about my feelings and my struggles with love and relationships and all this stuff. So that factors into my life a ton. And uh, and you're on this podcast and you've already met me and saw my state uh, when I walked in. I loved it. Rambling about feelings and whatnot. Um, So how often, just to tie that vibe into your life and your career, uh, how often do your clients um, have how often do they have relationship and personal life stuff or family stuff? How often is that affecting their business or their mindset? Yeah. Or do you, or is the career stuff and the work mentality totally separate from what's at home? No, it's all intertwined and it shows up 100% of the time. Yeah. There's never been a session that I've been in or a client that I've worked with where it hasn't come up at some point. So, you know, I'm working with a client now and she's amazing and we've been working together for about four months and in our session last week, she just felt comfortable enough to share about infidelities in her relationship. And we'd gotten there because... She cheated, he cheated. She cheated. She did. And so she had gotten her business to a certain place and she wasn't able to show up fully. She was just feeling like, oh, what's the point? And like, I'm a bad person. And this I'm a bad person theme kept coming up. And I was like, I don't understand this because to me, from where I'm standing, seems like you are a beautiful person and you're doing all these wonderful things and you're in integrity. And then she shared this truth and it was it was owning her, right? Because she had so much shame around it, it owned her. And when we have shame around things, it doesn't allow us to show up fully in all these different areas of our lives. And so we need to unpack that. So it's important to look at all the different areas of our lives, the relationships, the relationship to self, to our bodies, to our mindset, to our career. Like body comes up a lot. Body comes up so much. Um, You know, if like I was working with a client and she was struggling to lose five pounds and I was like, well, what's this about? Like, Weight gain, again, is information. And what are you beating yourself up over? Why are you punishing yourself? And it was about not being good enough, not being good enough in her work, not being good enough in her body. And so all these challenges are so connected and impact the way we show up. Yeah. Well, how do people reconcile those things? Like if she feels shame about having cheated or somebody's stressed out about their home life, how do you find the balance? Because work goes on, like, you know... It's such a funny thing. You can go through emotional an emotional crisis in the morning and then be like, oh, I've got to go to my appointment. I've got to go to the meeting. Right. How, how do you reconcile it? Some people have the ability to compartmentalize and Oof. some people don't, right? Yeah. So it's really about unpacking the story, unpacking the shame, owning the trait, showing up in our truth so that we can be fully expressed, right? The moment that we take the shame away, we feel so different. I had a client and she had... Um, worth of credit card debt with her business, right? So for some people, that's like nothing, a drop in the bucket. And for some people, it's like, oh my God, yeah, right? So she was feeling, oh my God about it. And we talked about it and, and I had her come up with a list of examples of businesses that were in debt, like... I don't even know, like Uber or Amazon, like all these businesses have taken venture capital money or, you know, investment. And so, you know, Gal or whatever. Yeah. Right. They're all in the red. Lemon, I'm sure. Right. Right. Okay. And it's not owning them. They're in every single business story about how they're killing it. Right. So why is this shameful for you and how can we pivot that? And the minute you move that out of the way, it doesn't own you anymore. You feel so much lighter, so much different. And it's the same with whatever is worrying you in your relationships too. So... In the case with um, the woman and the infidelity, you know, I did invite her to talk to a therapist and a couples therapist and unpacking, you know, on a deeper level what wasn't working in the relationship where they didn't feel fulfilled um, so that they could really explore that together. Because if I'm only in session with her, I can't really speak to what's happening in her relationship, but I can invite her to discover in a different format, which I think is very important. Yeah. 
Oh God. And you feel like you're very, you're very intuitive, right? Yes. And, and working through everything uh, got you closer to your intuition, kind of like, and how long did you study for before you began this business and, and, and felt like I can do this. This is my calling. I feel that it's right. But then when like to have the credentials to kind of back it up, cause you are so confident. I've talked to other people, not necessarily on this podcast, but uh, like, I don't talk to people I don't believe in and, and, you know, respect or I'm fascinated by, but uh, you know, I'll talk to other people and I'll just think, oh my God, they're, they're a charlatan. They're so like, I'm going to, I'm supposed to give this person money. I would never like, ugh, like this. You are so strong. And initially in my intuition, my intuition about you is like, you know, I feel calm around you. Thank you're, you. you're really solid. You're grounded. You're incredibly smart. You, you know, you're saying all these things that can make complete sense and make me hopeful. And also like, yeah, I don't feel like if I put my life in your hands, like uh, I'm fucked, you know? <laughs> so, um, how did you, yeah, how many years did you give yourself to feel like I, I'm, uh, I'm allowed to be doing this in a way? Because it's, yeah. it's so unconventional. It's like there's no one school to do what you do. You put this together out of kind of thin air and it's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing and it's unique and, that's, and the world needs it. There's a, there's a space for it. But so, yeah. That's my long way of answer, uh, asking this question. Well, thank you for saying all those beautiful things. I'm seriously so of humbled. Of so course. Yeah. Um, I'm going to break the question into two parts. So Please one, do. like how did I feel, you know, ready, ready to teach it? And, and capable, then, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also in coaching people that feel the same way. So uh, before I came to this work, I was in marketing and brand management for over a decade. So I'd, I'd actually helped to launch over 33 beauty and wellness startups. So I felt very solid when it came to the business coaching piece of it. I was like, I've been doing this pretty much my whole career. You know, I've got this really great track record and case studies, et cetera. And then when it came to the other work, it was really about being uh, moving any ideas of like, I'm a fraud, like moving the shadow out of the, out of the way, doing that deep work, right? Saying, okay, here are some of my shadows here's where I don't feel good enough or I shouldn't be seen, et cetera. And and healing those wounds because a lot of them come from childhood. And then the third piece was really getting on the court. And I always say to people that want to be coaches, the best way to to be a coach is to coach, right? And so start working with your friends in a capacity where, of course, huge disclaimer, you're still learning and, you know, they need to take this information with a grain of salt and, you know, be, steer their own ship, be the own, the captain of their own ship because you're learning. But I always say the best way to get on the court is to get on the court. So start offering sessions to your friends. Start changing lives is basically what I'm saying. Oh, wow. And then when you start to see the results yourself, then you can believe, yes, this is possible, right? So I started coaching and yes, I knew I could make a really big difference in the business coaching space. So I started out as your you know, traditional business coach. And then I started to introduce the tools that I had been using on myself and I'd been sharing with my friends. And I started to see these dramatic changes and pivots and that's when I started to feel ready. Okay, I can share these in a bigger way and I can really own these. But it was a sort of, you know, a crawl, walk, run. And I invite all of my clients to do the same thing. So crawl, walk, run. It was. Crawl, walk, run. I love that. Okay, keep going. Yeah, very much like a baby. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I invite my clients to do the same thing. So move any ideas that you're a fraud out of the way or the idea that you don't want to be seen, whatever the shadow or the wound is. So do that work, but then also be a really freaking amazing coach. Do your homework, you know, get the study, get the certification if you need to. If you don't need to, that's okay too. So much of us learn on the fly, get the information and then show up so freaking fully that you can change people's lives. That's the biggest part, like show up fully. Yeah. Oh my God. 
All right. What are these other <laughs> phrases on the website that you are that are kind of part of your uh, your your vernacular or you know? Oh, we I mentioned zone of genius and yes. zone of excellence, but yes. I didn't really dig in. So, dig in. So zone of genius is the area of our lives that we are the most genius, obviously. So it's where we have these innate abilities, this endless creativity. We're always in the state of flow. Our zone of excellence is a space where we acquired skills that we're really good at. So for me, my zone of excellence was marketing. I learned to be really good at that. But my zone of genius really is the coaching, is sharing this work. And it's so innate to me. It sort of pours forth. Like when I was designing my curriculum, literally I felt like I was channeling it. It's just like coming through my fingers, right? And everybody has those experiences and those spaces. And so it's about more fully embodying the the genius and spending less time keeping ourselves small in that zone of excellence. Oftentimes the zone of excellence benefits other people, right? So it benefited other people for me to stay in my marketing job and to stay at my agency. And it really benefits me and the rest of the world too, that I own my genius and I can have this ripple effect. But I really invite people to think about what are the areas where you have these innate gifts that are just sort of like always been with you and you could spend, you know, endless amounts of time doing this one thing and just time seems to, you know, fly by without you realizing because that's sort of an idea or an inkling of where your genius is and the world needs you to stand in your genius because when you're in that genius you're so lit up, you're so connected, everybody feels it and there's this ripple effect out into the world and one of the reasons that I do this work is that I feel so called to it because so many of us do work that we don't love that doesn't light us up and it's soul destroying. It is, right? And yeah. yeah. And to contextualize it, Deloitte uh, did this study in 2016 and they Who found did? Who did? Deloitte. Who's that? They're like a, a huge like accounting consulting firm. Okay. Um, and they found that eight out of 10 people are somewhat dissatisfied with their jobs. And to me, that's heartbreaking because we spend more of our heartbeats there than anywhere else. And so I want people to be so lit up and connected to their work that they impact everybody around them and we change the world, right? Because through business, through commerce is the way that we can move the world forward if we show up differently. And so we're in a session. I'm your client. I walk in. I'm like, this is so great. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> wait, where do we have the session too? Is it in person? It's in person. Do you have an office in New York? So it depends. Or is it via so Skype ever? I do a lot of my sessions virtually. Most of them are virtual. And so for my business coaching clients, if they're in New York, I will do a kickoff retreat with them, um, which I, I work out of the wing, the women's only oh, for Oh, you space. do? Yeah. Oh my God, I've been dying to go oh there. Oh my gosh. Next time you're in New York, you have to come. I was supposed to go there with my girlfriend, Erin. She is an editor at Ravishly. This, uh, it's this website, this like female empowerment. I'm describing it totally messed up. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I'm dying to go there. It's beautiful. Isn't oh my gosh, it? Please come. Okay. You're in New York. I'm going. I'm going to meet up with you. We're going to have a coffee. We are. Wait, do you drink alcohol though? Or are you so in tune with your intuition and everything? You can't drink alcohol. I'm not. I've, I've never been a big drinker. In my 20s, I take that back. Yeah. You know, I like graduated college and was just like, oh, life yeah. is so fun. Yeah. Oh, tequila. Oh, what college did you go to? NYU. You went to NYU. Okay. So mm-hmm. you're drinking in your 20s, but then pretty much no. Well, as soon as I was diagnosed with those autoimmune diseases, oh, there you go. I was like, that okay. Alcohol really does not suit me. And even now, like, um, you know, sometimes I'll go out to dinner with my husband or we'll have a date night and I'll have like a sip of, um, and I'll only do like tequila with lemon juice and soda and I'll have a sip and like instantly I don't feel great. And I, when you feel so great, you don't want to go back to the other side, Oh my right? God, yeah, because I'm thinking about not drinking ever again yeah. because I didn't drink all January. Then I drank in February, mm. got horribly sick. Wow. Just because I was like, well, I just drank too much at a wedding and I was like, oh my God, my body wasn't ready for it and I just drank too much. Mm. But uh, 
Yeah, it's funny. And now it's like when I think about alcohol, I'm like, I know I'm doing something bad for my body. It doesn't yeah. seem like, oh, happy release or blah, blah. It just seems like connected to darkness and depression kind totally. of. Totally. And just like a sour, a sour feeling in my system. Yeah. And it can but, be a depressant for many of us. For sure. So yeah. It doesn't make you feel good. Like it doesn't make me feel good. So I, I never seek it out. You know, I'll have a, the occasional sip. But the drink of choice, away. you said it's a what? Tequila, lemon juice, and soda. Tequila, lemon juice, and soda. And why do people drink tequila? Because it's made with agave and they say it's not a depressant, right? They so say 100% agave is a little easier on the liver to filter. And then lemon juice, again, detoxifying. And then the soda, water. So in my mind, it's sort of the least... The holistic approach <laughs> to drinking kind of, sort of. But it's uh, it's the least uh, detrimental to your body. Right, right. But, and you still don't feel good? No, it's just, it doesn't suit me. But and you're trying. That's a, that's all that matters. <laughs> you're trying. You're giving it a go anyway. It just not, it doesn't suit you. Oh, it just wow. doesn't suit me. And there's so many other ways. Like I will bring kombucha to a party. Like yeah. My neighbors are amazing and they had this red wine party in December and I showed up with a giant growler of kombucha and they you were like... Did? Yeah. They were like, how do you live your life? And I was like, I feel great. And kombucha, because it's so full of B vitamins, does elevate your energy. So it like, does? I felt like the life of the party and I was so happy and I didn't feel sick and it was amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. B vitamins. I tried to offer one of a B vitamin to a friend of mine and they wouldn't take it. They're oh. like... I was like, what's your problem? It's not even hippy dippy. I know. I was like, this is a B vitamin. What is your deal? Have like you under the of, tongue. Um, sorry to cut you off. No. Have you heard of this brand? It's relatively new. It's called Kin Euphorics. No. What is that? So they make these tonics and these elixirs that are non-alcoholic and they're meant to elevate your mood and your spirits. So it's kind of this drink that you could bring to a party or a festive occasion that will elevate you and make you feel amazing, but doesn't have the same impact that alcohol has on your body because alcohol is a hepatoxin, right? It's, it's toxic to the liver. And so, you know, obviously some people like it, but it really isn't great for the body or for the brain too. But then these tonics and these euphorics will elevate your mood and your spirit. I in this. Thing. Yes, in I know. Thing. Yeah, this is great. I know. I almost ordered a whole case and I had to be like, I'm going to rein it in. Where do you buy them? Where, where do you get them? You can get them online. Yeah. And then I, I'm sure that they sell them at restaurants here in California. There's a few restaurants in New York that are now um, selling Kin Euphorics. And Kin, wait, how do we spell it's this? K-I-N. K-I-N. And then space Euphorics. Euphorics. I know we could all just rewind and we could hear what Amina just said, but I needed to repeat it. And yeah. uh, that's how I roll here on the podcast because uh, I can't rewind right now for my own brain. So I want to know, God, I was hoping I could get them at a, get these drinks at Whole Foods. I haven't seen them at Whole Foods, but it doesn't mean that they're not here. I've That's only true. been to the Whole Foods West Hollywood and I didn't even have a thorough search. So uh, you see, so you're very happy. You're a happy person. I am a really happy person. Do you ever have a mood, moody day? 100%. And I'm a, human. How do you get out of it? Wait, you're human? <laughs> Bury the lead, why don't you? I can't believe this. No, but how do you, how do you change your mood? I mean, it, it must be, you know, You've done the lacy work. Mm-hmm. You, have, you've just done so many wonderful things. I should understand why you're so happy. But uh, yeah, how do you get out of a funk when you find yourself in one? Yeah, I totally still get into funks, and I just use my tools. But sometimes it does take me a minute to kind of remind myself. Like I was, um, this was a couple months ago. This was maybe in December, and I was like at a work thing, and I was headed. But I was outside New York City, and then I was driving back into New York City, and I get a text message from one of my friends, and. Um, she was doing something that felt out of integrity for me. And I was getting like really worked up about it. I was like, why would she do that? Why would she ask that? Like, that's not right. And I was oh, like, what did she ask? Don't, 
about me, but tell me later. <laughs> but okay, so she, she bothered you somehow. She, and- yeah, she like triggered me. And so I'm, you know, rubbing up against my sharp edges. And I'm like, oh, and I sat in this for about 10 minutes and I'm like steaming and fuming. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to go to this workshop and I've got to lead people through this oh session. Oh my God. Like, I can't show up in this state. Nightmare. I, I know. So I sit in it for about 10 minutes. I let myself feel it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to use your freaking tools. And so I just took myself through the, my multi-step process, which is, okay, what's the story? What's the limiting belief in the story? What's the fear in here? And how can I turn this around? Oh my goodness. Once again, I'm going to say, let's say that really slow, the, the process, the steps. Yeah. Say them again. Okay. So what's the story that I'm telling myself? What's the story I'm telling myself? Is one of the steps, what's happening? Like, you can this do is that. What it's happened. the same thing. Like okay. the story and what's happening. Like I'm telling it in a way that I've made it a story, right? I'm like, and she did this and she did blah, 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 blah. You know, it's okay. a story. What's the story? Right. Second step. And then what's the fear associated with this story? What's the fear associated with this story? Okay. And then what's the limiting belief that's tied to that fear? What's the limiting belief that's tied to this fear? And that's the, the belief that's keeping us stuck. And then how do I turn this thought around by citing examples to the contrary? Oh my God. Okay. And so do you want an example? Yeah. Okay. So I was in this story, right? I was like, oh my God, um, Morgan is a terrible person. And like, she's doing all this stuff to me, like real victim language. It was like such a story, right? And the fear was that she was going to take something away from me and I was going to feel unsupported. And I was like, ooh, okay, I'm going to feel unsupported. And then what does that mean if I feel unsupported? So the fear was feeling unsupported. But the limiting belief was that if I'm unsupported, I will fail. And if I fail, I am not good enough. So I was clearly in the fixed mindset, the idea that I couldn't fail and that you know, if she took this thing away from me, I was going to fail and it was going to mean that I was worthless. And I was like, okay, I'm going to cite three examples of times that you quote unquote failed or didn't achieve the set outcome that you wanted. And but still felt great about yourself. And I was like, okay, there was this time in third grade where I was, you know, second in the spelling bee and I really wanted to win, but like, hey, I killed it because I came in second and like knew how to spell all these words. And then there was a time when I had my agency and I didn't necessarily like hit my revenue goals, but I did amazing work and I felt really baller about it. And then here's another example of when I maybe didn't hit the said outcome, but still felt really good about myself. And I was like, oh, phew. Okay. I see that my brain was telling a story. I see that it was being really fearful and that it was in this sort of scarcity mindset. And I see that there was this fixed mindset piece too, that I have to quote unquote succeed in a very particular type of way. And I see that's not true as evidenced by these examples. And then I was like, oh, I feel so much better now. Oh my God. You can just, <laughs> the fact that you can walk yourself through these steps and while you're telling me the story and, and how you do it. I'm like going through like, oh, what's my behavior? And when I, yeah, that's so interesting. What does it mean? What's the limiting belief? Yeah. So I suppose I'm not even going to say what I want to say here. It's too personal. <laughs> I'll tell you later. But uh, wow. Well then, okay. And so, then if you still feel funky, I always invite people to do a cord cutting meditation too. Have oh, you ever done a cord cutting meditation? I have, but... Tell me what you do yeah. for a cord cutting meditation. So basically getting yourself into a meditative state and scanning the front of your body, looking at your energy centers or your chakras, and then just uh, seeing if you feel energy in a particular energy center and visualizing a cord extending out from you and then meeting what's on the other end of the cord, again, with sort of investigation and discovery. Like a person or a, a thing or an exactly. event. Exactly. It could be a, a person. person. It could be a concept like money or time. And just noticing what's there for you and then you basically cut 
cut the cord and you ask what's on the other side of it to go back to where it came from, allowing the energy to reorganize for the highest and best good for you both. So it's not about cutting somebody out of your life. It's simply about reorganizing the energy so that it shows up and the person or the idea or the thing and you show up differently together. Interesting. And our brains from a visualization perspective, visualization to our brains is the same thing as recalling a memory. So if we're visualizing changing this relationship to our brain, it's as if it's a memory. So from a neurological and neuroscience perspective, it is actually very helpful as well. It's not just um, sort of this intuitive body of work. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, that's helpful. I'm going to be doing that later for sure. Oh, I cord cut all day, every day. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely need to cut some cords immediately, if not sooner. Um, Okay. So we're in a session. You say you work out of the wing sometimes. Mm -hmm. So you can do a session with a woman at the wing. Right. So if it's somebody that I'm coaching ongoing, so it's a business coaching relationship that's the five-month program, I do the kickoff retreat at the wing and we'll have our own room and I design like a whole little retreat for us. It's a whole day immersion where I'm introducing them to the tools and there's nutritionally designed meals and all of these beautiful things. Oh, really? How many hours is this? Uh, Between four and eight, depending on what they sign up for. Four and eight hours. And and do you have to rent, just being a member of the wing, you can just use a room. It's fine. You have to actually rent the space you, out. You rent the space out. Yeah. Wow. And so we'll do our retreat and then the sessions afterwards can be in person or remote depending on where they are. Um, remote is just as effective as in person. A lot of the times people are like, oh, I want to see you and sit down with you. And you know, we can feel each other's energy through you know, Skype or whatever yeah. it is. So that's beautiful too. Um, and then, you know, if it's somebody that's coming to me for like a one-off career coaching or mindset coaching session, I usually just do that virtually. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever do virtually uh, at the wing? Yeah. So they have conference rooms and they also have phone booths. So if, if it's quiet enough, phone I will booths. do it there. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Okay. So... And so, for, so I guess you unpacked it. Any, any more I need to know? Like if it was me coming into a session, I'm like, hey, I'm in New York. We're going to do this in-person thing. I'll meet you at the wing. Mm-hmm. We go from there, four to eight hours. Mm-hmm. Any other details? I'm not... So if you... <coughs> Bless you. Ah! <laughs> <Zentai>. <laughs> it's humiliating. I'm so sorry. Please. You deserve better. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Uh, yeah. So generally what happens, if somebody signs up for my five-month coaching program, we'll do like a 30-minute intake call in the very beginning. So I kind of understand who you are and what your challenges are. And then you say, um, and I want to sign up for this program. And I say, beautiful, let's sign up. And then I give you homework coming into our first session. So I do sort of a deep dive in the particular area that you might have raised your hand about in our introductory session. So then I get that homework and then I design the retreat specific to what I've received in the homework. And then in between our sessions. So we'll have our retreat, then we'll have our follow-up session. There's homework between that too, whether it's listening to the guided meditation I've created for you, journaling exercises, or you know, using new tools in your business or your career. There's homework in between sessions. And then we just keep connecting, pivoting, learning what's working, what's not working, and just getting you to a better place. What is... Uh, oh, and we were talking about... Uh, I always like to ask my guests because I, I, my mom loves Abraham Hicks. Yes. My mom just loves Abraham Hicks. And when I've had Lacey Phillips on the podcast, I've had her on twice. Uh, uh, Lacey, and I don't, I don't think she, she doesn't dislike Abraham Hicks, but it's like, I like that she, she's made it kind of like more palatable, like, mm-hmm. like uh, manifestation stuff and the way to, th- anyway, I love Lacey. I love Abraham Hicks. What do you prefer? Because you know who Abraham Hicks is, right? Yes. And how would you describe Abraham Hicks to people listening? It's like Abraham Hicks is like a 
Wait, there's Esther, her a channeler? A, yeah, Esther channels Abraham. Esther right? channels Abraham. And there's a woman. manifestation gurus, or it's a body of work around manifestation. Yeah, right? I suppose so. And, and so you know who that is. Mm-hmm. And what do you think of it? So we talked about this with dating, but I believe there's like a chair for every ass, right? There's just something that's going to resonate with you and something that's gonna not going to resonate with you. And it's the same for like business or career coaches, right? There's probably a dozen other women who are doing similar work to me that, and you might resonate with them versus me or vice versa. Oh, that's a good point. And so I definitely resonate with Lacey's work. For me, she's relatable and she puts it in a way that I understand and it's bite-sized information and... It's self-aware. Totally. Yeah. It makes sense for my brain and me, and I really connect and identify with her. And Abraham Hicks is a beautiful body of work. It just didn't resonate with me as much. Yeah. So I'm sure that there are people that love it. I actually have a friend who really loves Abraham Hicks and Esther, and I think even did, like, they have a cruise that they do. Your friend did the cruise? Yeah. Oh, wow. What was that like? She said it was amazing. Really? Yeah. Did, she has she a changed? beautiful experience. She did, has she, have you seen a... She's just a magnificent human being in general. Oh, so she's just changing and just being fabulous all day, every day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she loves Abraham Hicks. And for me, just Lacey is more resonant. Yeah. I love, love me some Lacey. And I've seen some huge blocks move out of the way with her work. So yeah. just very grateful to her. Yeah. There's so many. It's such an interesting thing nowadays. And like, you know, uh, 2019, there are all these like, I guess I was a millennial, the right word to describe the, you know, kind of these millennial self, um, uh, so not self, self-proclaimed experts and things, mm-hmm. and so it's like a weird winding path to go. Oh, who do I jive with, and who do I uh, feel safe with, and who resonates for me? So, yeah, my favorite thing is to like explore all of them. You know, yeah, and like also like do your due diligence and see what's out there, and then also check in with yourself too. Like, what does your body tell you? What does your gut tell you? Oh yeah, do your you... intuition, your body. Yeah. You have to listen to your body, right? So for my um, my five month coaching program, I only take a handful of people at a time because it's a lot of work that we're doing together. We're spending a lot of time together, and for me, I'm vetting the person as much as they're vetting me because I want the, I want the energy to feel good. I want us to like each other and yeah. be able to support each other. So it's very important that we check in with our energy too. Oh my goodness. What do you think of uh, antidepressants and stuff like that? Are you anti-antidepressants or avoid them at all costs? Flower therapy versus mm-hmm. flower tincture therapy versus yeah. this and that? What do you think? I'm extremely open. So open. I believe that every single human being is so different. We have different biochemistry, different brain chemistry, different lived experiences, different traumas. And for certain people, certain things work and for others, they don't. And so I'm very non-judgmental or prescriptive about that. So I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis and for a lot of people they're like no don't take medication but I know that I'm cripplingly ill yeah. if I don't take medication and so for me and my body and the life that I want to live I have to do that and of so Of course do you take Synthroid? I take a gluten-free version of Synthroid called Tyrosynth because Synthroid apparently has gluten. Okay. And then I take Cytomel. Oh, Cytomel. I I I had thyroid cancer. Oh my goodness. So I don't have a thyroid and they uh and so I take Synthroid. I used to take Synthroid 175 every day, but then it was like too much for my body. Yeah. Now I take Synthroid 150 because I think it's like it can affect your bone density or something. <sighs> but yeah, so I didn't have but I discovered it because I think my hair was falling out. Wow. And I had a lump in my throat, but it's like it was like a they had to keep draining it doing a fine needle biopsy and wow. then they would drain the fluid, it would go down and then finally when, one time they drained the fluid and they're like, oh, now we found uh, abnormal cells. So we, the only way we can find out if it's cancer or not, now that we see that they're abnormal cells, is if we cut in and take half it out. But 
I just love it when I find out people take a synth or know what synth yeah. is. It's so exciting. Yeah. Wow. And how are you feeling now? Oh God, that was like when I was like 22 or something. I'm, I'm fine. I think I'm fine. Maybe I'm wound up from the synth Maybe my <laughs> dose is too high and that's why I'm so like... like <laughs> oh, that's yeah. happened to me before too. Really? Where your yeah. dose is too high and it was just like... Bing, bing, like just all over the place. Oh my gosh. Not only all over the place, but it made me like aggressive. I don't know if you experienced that, but I was over medicated on the Synthroid. This oh, was wow. years and years. This is when I first started taking the medication and it's a very fine tuning process to yeah. find your right dose, yeah, right? Yeah, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's not, they're different than antidepressants or different medications. Uh, but yeah, it's when you have to figure out what works for you, that process right. of medication. It's, I don't know if it was true for you, but it took probably a year and a half to find the right yeah. dose. And there was a point where I was over-medicated and I was angry about everything. And I said to my doctor, I was like, this isn't me. I don't understand what's happening. I feel like I'm in somebody else's body, but everything makes me angry. And he was like, oh, you're probably over-medicated. And literally, as soon as we changed my dose, I was like, oh, and I'm happy again. I wonder if my anxiety and like anxiousness and like, you know, manic vibe is because my synthroid is too high. Wouldn't that be interesting? That would be really interesting to ask your doctor. Is that possible? I mean, I guess I should ask my doctor. Yeah, yeah. I'm asking you. I'm like, tell. Is it too high? Do you think? Could that change everything? But could that be a possibility? I mean, in a mood thing, who knows? I'll yeah, ask my doctor. absolutely. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I would also. Have you explored with your doctor um, the gluten thyroid connection too? No. What do you, What do you mean? So we don't have a thyroid anymore, but for a lot of people with thyroid disease, they also are sensitive to gluten because each food has a code, right? And the code for gluten is similar to thyroid tissue. So inadvertently, our body can attack thyroid tissue if it thinks because it thinks it's gluten. Oh. So there's a lot of people that have thyroid disease that also have gluten sensitivities. And so it's it's important to just think about that in the context of your diet and your overall well-being and invite you to you know discuss with your doctor, of course, if that's something that's right for you. Oh my God. So what? Uh, everything has gluten in it, doesn't it? It seems like... <laughs> what if you eat meat? Is there gluten in meat? <laughs> there's no gluten in meat. <gasps> Pasta? Cheese? Pasta for short. Cheese does not have gluten. Cheese has like casein. Cheese is dairy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Exclusive. <laughs> you heard it here first. I know. Cheese has dairy. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Keep going. Um, but yes, definitely something to explore with your doctor because a lot of holistic practitioners do believe that there is crossover. Oh God. Okay. Well, I'm not well inspired to look into that, to eat better, to check my dose. Yeah. Oh my God. And to walk through every time I might have a mind panic freak out and go, what's, what's the story? What's the belief? Mm-hmm. And what's, wait, what's the, what's the story, story? And what's the fear tied, what's the to, the fear story? tied to the story? And what's, what's the, the limiting, limiting belief? belief? And then God. how do I turn the thought around? Oh boy. Well, so you're in Los Angeles enjoying the exciting, beautiful weather, you know, compared to New York weather right now. What's next for you while you're here in your career? Are you writing a book? Is What's happening? What are you doing? What do you want for your life? Ooh, I'm so future? glad that you asked. Yeah. Tell us everything. Uh, so I am writing a book and... You know, more to come on that. It's very much about this topic. It's about women, self-worth, taking care of ourselves in the context of our work, finding our soul's calling, all of those amazing things. Um, I also just shot pilot for a TV TV show concept that, again, similar idea about women, workplace, how we take care of ourselves, how we show up fully. Um, Very excited about that. Oh, wow. When will we know more about this? 
months um, to come or what? Yes, months okay. to come. And I promise to keep you updated. Okay, good. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just continuing to grow my coaching and my corporate coaching. I just, you know, feel so excited about this work. I want to do it as much as humanly possible. So. Oh my goodness. Well, where can people find you if they want to be one of your clients? Thank you. Uh, you can go to my website, aminaaltai.com and it's A-M-I-N-A-A-L-T-A-I.com. And the same spelling for my Instagram handle at aminaaltai. And uh, that's pretty much it. Websites and Instagram handles. That's all we really need to know nowadays. It's that's the future. That's all we need. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation and you are amazing. Thank, thank you. you. You're amazing. All thank right. you for doing this work. Bye.